myself again But it's the only way you're ever gonna learn You look back and it's all in the past Hi and welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith, and it is another episode of Newcastle Disunited. This is a special two-hour episode, as there is a lot to cram in about NUST, and I'm delighted to say I'm joined, as always, by Steve Hasty, uh, by Neil Mitchell, and by Keith Patterson. Hi, lads. How are you? All right, Steve. Great to see you. Um, so, we left the last episode on uh, NUSC, Newcastle United Supporters Club, Steve Hasty, and that's where we, we finished that. And, of course, that was the that was the thing that preempted, that the organisation that preempted the trust. So, in your capable hands, I guess, tonight, because you are somebody who, you and Mitch, of course, know a lot about the early days of NUST. Uh, me and Keith obviously knew a little and, and obviously were involved to, to some smaller degrees. And then obviously, uh, you know, we, we, we can all talk about what's going on with NUST now. But uh, yeah, over to you, Steve, and, and, and where we're finished off with NUSC. Yeah, well, obviously NUSC, just for, as a quick recap, was the, the Newcastle United Supporters Club, which started um, just after the whole City game when Kevin Keegan had walked and, and there was the, the big protest, which we talked about in the previous episode. Um, so we, we had this supporters club, um, but chugging away at the background uh, through Colin, Colin Whittle, um, was always the embryo of an idea that we should really be looking towards setting up a supporters trust. Now, that was fine. You know, I don't think there was any objections to that. I think everybody saw that it was a natural progression if you had a lot of people um, that were interested in fan ownership. You had you had a disunited football club, but you had an owner who had already said that he was selling up. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? Um, but what we're talking about at that particular time was a football club, which was probably valued somewhere in the region of 80 million quid. Yeah. Uh, so we started to think about it. And, you know, while while the supporters club carried on, um, there was a, a little group of people that were beavering away in the background looking to, to basically just explore the possibilities of how we could create a, a supporters trust. Um there was an established mechanism for doing it. It worked through a, an organisation called Support Us Direct. Um, and obviously what we did, uh, what, the, what the guys did was that they went away and, and held numerous discussions and emails and correspondence with Support Us Direct just to establish exactly what a Support Us Trust was, first of all, see whether we fitted into it, see what the issues might be if we converted into a Support Us Trust. But just as importantly, um, decide how we could discuss this with the people who were back in NUSC and see whether that was the direction they want to go at. So we were very, very keen to make sure we had a thorough and frank dialogue with the with, with the, the members or with the people who were, were backing um, NUSC, of which I think it, we had somewhere in the region of 28, 29, 30,000 uh, names on the list, people who had replied and re returned, people who had joined and made donations, people who had filled in the little slip that was attached to the to the uh, pamphlet that we talked about last time um, that, that Keith had printed up, which had a little return thing that you could send back um, with, with a little tick box and your name and address. And if you wanted to make a donation or you just wanted to be affiliated and be part of the setup. So that's what we did. I mean, we, we had some great, we were very lucky because we had, We've got Newcastle fans. We know how educated Newcastle fans are anyway, but we had some great people who, in those days, 
um, understood a little bit about social media. Obviously, we didn't have Twitter, we didn't have Facebook or anything like that, but we had chat rooms and, and gossip rooms or whatever you want to call them. Um, and we had large boards. Uh, yeah, exactly. Lads who understood the, the embryonic way that social media was gonna was gonna catch on and how it was it could be a force for good in terms of getting the message out. Um, there was a, a huge platform as part of that called uh, Toontastic that was already up and running, um, and it, it was it was Peter Whitfield who was who was heavily involved in that that did an awful lot of the the uh, the IT behind the scenes on the on the website for NUSC. We created a, a members uh, room where you could you could start to ask questions, um, and that was perfect because we had that social media environment in the in in its embryonic way um, of communicating and getting feedback from from interested people. Um, that we could we could suss out and we could gauge the the strength of feeling, if you like, not only towards what we were already doing, but where we wanted to go moving forward. Um, but we also saw the importance of I think of of face to face meetings, um, and that's when I think we really saw the benefit of setting up the roadshows, and the yeah. roadshows were again another way of sitting in front of supporters, just like ourselves explaining to them where we were with Newcastle United, where we were with the, the, the Mike Ashley, where we were with uh, what we were picking up on takeover or not. But more importantly, getting that message out or getting the word out that we would seriously contemplate and going down the line of a supporters' trust. Um, and we did roadshows from as north as Bambra to as south as Brandon and right into your area and your neck of the woods, Keith, if you remember, um, and at all points east and west, you know, from Hexham to golf clubs in, in Wrighton to North Shields to Paul Cannell's bar at, in the, at the top of North Shields there on Queen Alexander Road. Um, we went to Bedlington, Ashington, God, you name it. I mean, Mitch, you, you, um, you were very, very much a part of that because at that particular time you were – one of the, the people at the forefront of NUSC mm. and pushing that that, that sort of uh, way of and direction that wanted to go. I mean, you remember the road shows? We, at one point, we were doing a couple of week and spending time. Um, you know, it would be Forest Hall Cons Club one night, and then it would be um, down somewhere in Durham the next night, and um, we were doing, doing that and. I right. would have Neville's Cross. Neville's Cross right. Workman's Club. I met you down there. And I think of all the things I did with NUSC and NUSD, the, the thing I value the most are those roadshows. Mm. They were hard work. They were hard yards. Um, but getting out to actually sit face-to-face -face with, with parts of the fan base you might never have interacted with, trying to understand... And it became useful later when, when it, it was transitioned into trust and we used to start to work with, and people used to come to work, bodies used to come to work, and can you understand this and can you understand that? Having sat down with so many different people, with so many intelligent and well-thought-out and articulate opinions, that may have been entirely different to me. And it was a real eye-opener. It was a real eye-opener. I wish... I'd understood more of it going into it because I think I would have got even more out of it. Um, I was, you know, you'd be sitting one night speaking to three lads in Forest Hall 
who'd never been back since since Gordon Lane's Supermac. No, that was my that was my line in the sand. I've not been back since. Yet they were there that night, and they wanted to be there that, that night because Newcastle yeah. United still their club, uh, even though they've they've had a, a a massive disconnect from the club. They were still there, still viewed it as their club. Us, we, our, you know, um, and then the next night you'd be talking to people top end of Northumberland who put all kinds of ridiculous yards in doing away games and because um, you know coming down from like Amble coming down from Berwick even yeah and then hitting Southampton at God knows what time of the day and understanding their supporting experience and what what they find frustrating about the club and the, the one thing I learned, and that's where I bang on about getting Newcastle fans together, is like herding cats. Everybody wants wants the same thing, but they want to do it in their way. Mm-hmm. And they also want to feel that you've reached out to them and they've, they've been heard out. Yeah. Even if what you end up doing is totally not what they want, they'll often then go along with it because they feel like they've been heard out. And they feel like, you know, well, I got my opinion across but I see why they want to do it that way. Um, and without that, we couldn't have done a lot. From a personal point of view, it's why when we talk about things on, on the Fab Four, you know, and, and, and when it was three amigos before that, the, the, why I get across to people, you know, if you think we sit here and agree on everything, you're so wrong. Yeah, so wrong. Um, and, and, and that's important. Because that's what you can do in a situation like that is, is debate it, work it out, hear out all sides, and then agree on a tactical situation about what you're going to do going forward. Yeah. Um, and, and that, for me, was the value of the, of the, of the, the talk-ins and the roadshows. Um, and I was grateful to people like Gibbo and John Anderson who give with that time. I mean, I, I could listen to Gibbo. I've heard every one of Gibbo's stories about 17 times now, and I still laugh at them. And I still piss myself. Yeah. I still want to hear all about Gaza and Rome and he's on his bloody motorbike in a German stormtrooper helmet, giving it the V's behind him. And you know, I, I want to hear all of that all over again. Um, I want to hear about John Anderson talking about Justin Fashion who being in a bath on his own while everybody else is in the other bath. And you know, all of these, these things from inside people who care about the club. Um, and it was great to share it with other fans and see their reaction. But also, it changed me and my attitude about, about how the fan base works forever. Um, what, it, what it did for me, Mitch, was it gave me an awful lot more respect towards the, the fan base, towards the, the, the people who did, the, did the, 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 the nine yards, as you call it, you know, the troop and the people who could you could learn something from. Because at every yeah. road, you learn something new. You learn. Yeah. You learn something. You learn even more about the passion. You learn about you know that this is when I, and I mentioned it once before about an old uncle of mine um, who travelled down to Portsmouth. We talked about it on the on the on, on the, the, the Portsmouth right. for a, for a match after leaving work at, at some eight o'clock nine o'clock in the morning or something after a night shift and, go, yeah. and this was in the nineteen early nineteen fifties. You know the, and. The, and yeah, we had guys coming and talking and telling stories because it was very much an open forum. It was very much a, 
we'll listen you talk we'll we'll do a little bit we'll give you a little bit of insight of what we've what we've done so far where we'd like to go but it was very much an open floor and if people wanted to criticize us or people wanted to tell us what doing it wrong as as many did um, mm-hmm. in the with gusto as well and sometimes we had, quite robustly yes that's very very <laughs> very much so i remember blake law club i didn't know i was going whether i was going to get out alive uh, but that's but that's happened many times in blake law playing football so that wasn't nothing new was it um but you know what i mean it was it was very much a um it was an education. It was it was what you had to do to understand the fan base, to understand the strength of feeling, and to decide which direction um, we thought we could head while bringing the people along with us, the fans along with us, the people who wanted to support um, an ever-growing and, and at the time what we considered to be a new way of approaching things, a more formalised way. Um, I think when we started off, we had visions of 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 basically a little badge, a little sticker or whatever, uh, Newcastle United support us club. Um, and it wasn't, you know, there was there was already people doing bus trips and stuff like that, and we didn't want to travel there. And it was, it was implicitly put to everybody that we're not stepping on anyone's toes here. We're not putting anything into place that was going to remove um, the... the the people who had set up buses since the little shop in the Haymarket had shut. We weren't going to step on the toes of anyone who was selling merchandise. We weren't going to step on the toes of anyone who stood outside the the Irish Centre with a little plaque of badges that you could that you could get before the match. We weren't going to we weren't yeah. going to step on the toes. I, I, I remember set. I remember discussing this with Amanda who runs Shambles Trouble. Yeah, and and a bus I used to go on quite quite regularly. You know, and, and one of the, one of the things that you know she said was, "Does this mean you're going to be running a travel club?" I says, "No. What it means is I'm going to be telling people to get on your bus." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> because because it's, it's it's about working together. It's about reaching out and within the fan base, there's so many people, and we found this grew as the as the support as club became the trust. People with talent, people with skills, people with 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 um, knowledge in sectors, different sectors of of, of work and we're prepared to come and give that time pro bono absolutely okay. free. Yeah. Because it was all about the football club. And but equally it was trying to get a harmony where everybody right, such and such wants this. We'll go and see them. It's not the not the supporters club going to be doing it, but we can feed you to the right person. We ended up dealing with queries with the box office that the box office should have been bloody dealing with. We were sorting people's bloody away tickets out and how you can apply for this and how you can apply for that. By the you know by the time it was full pelt, I think between me, you and Bill, we were on first name terms with bloody Stephen Tickle in the bloody ticket office. <laughs> I think he recognised my voice when we picked you, when he picked the phone up. You know, did he recognise uh, yours? <laughs> <laughs> But you know what? This was this was. I mean, and it still goes on. By the way, that that, that you know that this this still happens. We've still got we've still got a situation where um, fans come to, and I know this for a fact through the fans forum and through the work that the current lads at NUST have done, um, likes of of Thomas and such like. They still got a, a a huge input into the into the ticketing situation. As you know, and we, we can we can talk about all the, that sort of um, interaction, but. What was important at this particular time, obviously there was there was a lot of fanfare, there was a lot of talk. Because if you remember, you know, no sooner that had the protest happened than on the on the Monday, Ashley was saying that he was selling up and this type of thing. And um, 
we st that's when we started to you know we obviously were after a few months we started to get people coming to us and saying you know what if you were better structured if you did have um a more formalized structure behind you and we did have a fairly formal but it was i would say it was very much a support as club forum yeah, it was that we have and that's what that's why we set it up but we had we had various business people coming to us and saying you know what it, it we've heard about support as trusts and we also had support as direct giving advice you know through contacts that they had in the northeast saying you know what if you were a support as trust you might be able to get a little bit further you might be able to introduce yourselves to to uh, uh, to business people you might be able to introduce yourselves to financial uh, people um and there will be people out there who are interested in something that they could work with supporters on to try and buy the football club. So that, that I think, probably galvanised our thoughts um, an awful lot more um, to come into line with some of the things that Colin was wanting. And that's, well, when, that's when we held meetings, didn't we, in the Irish yeah. Centre, where we invite where Supporters Direct came up. And we got them, rather than us telling the membership what was what it was all about, we got we got supporters direct to come so that we could learn as well alongside the membership as to exactly what is this going to entail? What would it mean? How would it structure? How would it be set up? What is a constitution? What is a set and affiliated rules? What, what, where would we stand financially? Where would we stand corporately, et cetera, et cetera? That was a hell of a lot of work at that particular time to talk about. Tell you, tell you the thing that galvanised me behind it was listening to Colin. Yes, where the roadshows talking about, we've got this idea of turning into the trust. And the more we talked and the more I listened to him and the more I understood it, um, the more it seemed to be the right thing to do at the moment. Um, because one of the constant questions you get asked on the roadshows as a supporter was, well, well, who are you, like? <laughs> yes. Who, who are you? Um. And so to be able to turn around, and this, this this is something that I think is, we'll probably touch on a little bit more later, um, the the legitimacy of an organised constitution as a support as trust is it, it is something that could be exceptionally powerful. Yeah, it's something, however, that you can also hide behind. Um, and I think you've got to work very hard to make sure that you're always doing it the legitimacy is used in the right way and slanted at the right angle, not used as something as a shield to hide behind on occasion. And and but at that time, that additional legitimacy, because by that time we were starting to regularly, we'd grown to the point where NUSC had enough, well, after after we, we gate-crashed the boardroom, um, we had enough influence and perceived power that land bias we were talking to land bias every other week yeah. at one point and quite yeah. openly quite openly so um, back, I don't want to jump too far ahead Mitch but just getting back right. to the, the form the formation the foundation of the, of the trust yeah. Steve so you, you have these you have these you've had the road shows you have this meeting with supporters uh, supporters direct what what was the next stage from there what was the feedback from fans membership and, and the committee after that meeting at the Irish Centre. Yeah, at that at that point, I think we had a we, we put it out to a vote. We put it we put uh, we asked people, you know, 
this is this is what we plan to do. If you agree with it, if you disagree, and there was a vote went down, and we when we came back with what people would describe now as a mandate from the members, it was a mandate to yes, explore that and see whether we can move into a more formalised structure, and that was that meant that we we were given a skeleton framework from Supporters Direct um, on what a Supporters Trust would be what it should look like, how it needed to be constituted, what ru the rule book would need to look like, um, but also how it could be adapted to suit Newcastle United fans. Because our rule book might have been slightly different to Alteringham or it might have been slightly different to Wrexham um, or Poole or whoever it was, whether you were you know, a, a Division One team or as it was at the time or whether you were way down the, the pyramid. The, yep. the one they kept pointing what was Man U, wasn't it? Was yep. Man U Supporters Trust was the one that That's they right. kept pointing us at and saying, look, yep. we think you could be bigger than that. That's right. And and they they were very much business orientated and we yep. didn't see ourselves as that. And I think that's what excited the 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 agenda of, of Supporters Direct because they saw they saw a different group of people. To the Manchester United one, the Manchester United one had be had involved the White Knights, and the, you know they were really, really looking uh, to basically buy the football club, run the football club, and and take over the football club. Ours was very much a we're an organisation that you as a football club should be listening to. Um, you know, mm. we, yes, there were aspirations, I'm sure, among among sections of us, which we'll, we'll come on to. Um, but it it was very much a right. What where? How can we do this? What do we need to do? How are we going to do it? And we broke off into into little sort of working parties, and we we used emails, and we explored. We held meetings, and each I think there was three or four little groups, and we we we, we looked at different facets and different aspects of how the how the organisation would run, what it would be like, what would what it would need to do, what it had to put into place. Um, and then we we started to bring those together, and from that embryo became the constitution um, of Newcastle United Supporters Trust. I actually found a copy of the constitution. Um, did you? Well, I did, yeah. And funny enough, I've never seen it. This was the first time I'd seen it in what eleven or twelve years. I remember it being on the when we when when eventually we became NUST. Um, and we and we we flipped the website from NUSC to NUST. We changed, the, you know, we created our own brand. We created the logo. Brother-in-law myself designed the uh, the, the bridge uh, logo that we had. That, that we thought it was. We wanted it to be something fresh and something modern. So we used the uh, the Millennium Bridge as a, as a as a strapped logo type of thing. Um, and that when we did that purposely because we saw. We saw the Tyne Bridge as old Newcastle and we saw the Millennium Bridge as modern Tyneside and Gateshead and Newcastle coming together because that was that was what it was about. Um, it was about the region um, and obviously the, the Millennium Bridge had only been up, what, I think it was sort of nine years at the time. So we saw that as something new and fresh. Um, and, and that branding and that, that whole um, new world that we were trying to, to move into with a new website. And I think the, everything was on there, the rule book, the constitution, uh, the subgroups. There was, a, I think, they the created, um, created a message board. 
so that you could interact with each other. Members could send their thoughts in, their questions and queries, and they would go, they would drop into little little boxes depending on what the topic was. Yeah, that's the logo. That's that's the one. Just something, you know, something re refreshing if you like, uh, something different, something sharp, um, without blowing my own trumpet. Oh. Um, I was I was always disappointed it wasn't a tango ball. I know you were. <laughs> <laughs> it's a floater. That's Brandon for you. Yeah, we picked the penny floater. We thought we had more chance of scoring with a penny floater. <laughs> a better swerve. That's right, aye. But uh, no, I mean, there was a message. Like I say, there was a message board on there. There was there was the ability for for supporters to actually. Enter into a dialogue about finances. There was a, another one you could enter into a dialogue about um, takeover, about purchasing the club. You could enter one about ticketing, and so it went on. And, and, and it was very quick. It was quite interactive. Um, we had a one that, that was between just the committee members uh, or board members, as they were, so that the board members could interact with each other very, very quickly. Um, I suppose it's sort of a, in an early-day format of, of WhatsApp, but... In terms of, of of the board members, but not for the membership. It wasn't. It it was it was something that um, that some of us thought was vital because that communication with with the membership. So the roadshows carried on. We 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 got where we wanted. We had the we had the vote. We had the mandate for the membership and 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 flipped it. Um, and it wasn't much long. It wasn't. Too long after that, I mean, I, I remember spending an entire Easter weekend trying to work out, you know, write up and, and get comments back from people like Neil and, and other board members on what the membership st structure should look like, how we could have a membership, what what would it, what would the members gain, what was what was different ones. We wanted to have a junior a, a junior um, NUST. Um, there was lots of, of things that was, you know, you, you could pay for life, you could pay for 10 quid. I remember a huge big discussion about whether the membership should be 10 quid or free. I, I remember there was like, you know, should little little crazy little things that you don't think of, like say if I joined in, in August, would my membership run until July yeah. or would it run until the end of the year? Because we ran a, an, it was an annual membership and things like that. And well, and then we had, you know, should if I if I pay a ten hour and I'm only in for three months, should I get seven months or like seven pounds back because I haven't paid the full whack? And, and it was we're trying to, you know, this was the minutiae that we went into trying to get everything right that would satisfy everyone as or as many people as we as we as we could. Um, and it was that was that was where we were um, probably uh, up until uh, the 2010, I would say. Who was on those early yeah. committees, Mitch? Okay. Um, well, the initial interim chair was Malcolm. Malcolm... Doo -doo 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 -doo. Malcolm Shields. Malcolm Shields, yeah. Um, and then we had, obviously, Steve, myself, Bill, uh, Corcoran. Um, we had uh, Lisa Bullivant. Yep. Uh, Tony Stevenson. Stevenson uh, Paul Brown King. Um, Mark Jensen, yeah, Mark Jensen, Mark Jensen, um, um, Tom Lynch, Peter yes. Whitfield, Colin uh, Whittle, Colin Whittle, Colin. Colin, Colin uh, Try to think who else we had. Had, had, had. had Michael Martin stepped away by then? Yes, yes. Yeah, he had, hadn't he? Yeah. yeah. 
Michael, because he was concentrating on uh, work commitments, family commitments, um, yeah. and and his fanzine, obviously. Um, yeah. But yes, yes, true faith. Yes, yeah. correct. Yeah, um, it was, a lot of these guys. I some of them I knew, some of them I knew of, um, some of them I didn't know from Adam. Yeah, um, and and again, doing things like the road shows and doing things like. You know, there's there's unmentioned people there, people who put massive hard yards in, like Tom Lynch, bless him, who just was always there. He does a mean quiz as well, by the way. You ever want a quiz rating? Can ask Tom for a quiz. Um, you know, and, and and people who were prepared to give that time and that the the dedication to something. Um, and and there's a lot of people who will not get named, whose names I've forgotten. The you know, passing a time who really should get praise for it. It's it's not just gobshites like me who are prepared to pick up a microphone and stand in, in a club in front of people and don't give a monkeys about whether they're talking or not and who they're talking to and whether they've got a script or not and can just do it from the lip. It's, I know that's not everybody's cup of tea. But what it was amazing was the everybody found a role and, by God, to put the hard yards in. You know, I lived in North Shields at the time. I pretty much lived in my study. The amount of emails I was sending, I, I was trying to go back through my emails. Um, and, and, me, and it's interesting, the, 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 the account I used to use, I thought I'd lost access to, and it's part of Google now, and I've been able to link it through to me, my current email address and find all these old emails. Sometimes 20 or 30 in the evening. Um, because, which is now WhatsApp's, you know, but at the time, that was the only way to communicate. Um, I even went out and bought myself one of them early Nokia flipping off, and it's a computer, close it, and it's a phone things. So I do emails wherever I was. Um, I, I Christ knows what my phone bill was in relative terms. I think you, you were know, I think uh, you the first person that I'd come across who had a Blackberry as well at the time. I, <laughs> yes. <yeah>. Probably <laughs> Yugi, wasn't he? Oh, he was. He had the he had the he had the suitcase. He had the Atashi case. The the he had the lot, man. He had the lot. <laughs> the but you know what? What was what was interesting was that we 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 thought we had to form what we called an interim board. So the mm -hmm. transition period from NUSC to NUST, we basically tried to keep the rules as they were prior yeah. to setting up an election process. And even an election process wasn't going to be the most simple and straightforward because there were rules that had to be followed, rules laid down by the Cooperative Society and by Supporters yeah. Direct, et cetera, et cetera, um, as, as the means as part of the Constitution. And you had to do that and you had to have... You had to have people there to 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 cover it to make sure it was almost part of like the electoral reform society at the time, um, because that's the that's the structure that you had you had bought into and um, little things like that cost cost time but they cost money as well, and um, so naturally what we were always trying to do was make sure we weren't spending the members' money on things that didn't need to be spent. You know, like could we could we get round the rules of the electoral commission by having someone who volunteered who we didn't know but or we could go to from that we knew in business who we could come in, a financial person or an accountant or somebody involved in local government that could come in and could oversee an election, for example, to make sure that it was all prim and proper and, and, and done in the correct way. So for the first, I think, of what, six or eight months, we ran under um, 
an interim board, um, which mm -hmm. was basically the transitional board between NUSC and, and NUST. Um, and that would have been round about 2009, uh, summer of yeah. summer 2009. Um, and then we held the elections. Um, and the, the elections were for all of the, you know, all of the the, the particular, um, I think we, I think it was for 10, 10 board members. Um, the constitution actually lays down that you can have, you can have additional people brought in for to do additional tasks that can be sitting on a board, but are not part of, the, of a board, if you like, in terms of voting right. Um, so you can have other people that get co-opted later on. Um, wasn't, wasn't of the board. Wasn't it a case of though some of the interim board remained in place? It wasn't a full board election. Because I think that's that's how when Malcolm stepped aside and everybody said, Well, who's going to be the new chair? And I mustn't have been paying attention and they said, Any volunteers take one step forward and you lot all took a step back and there's me thinking, Oh, apparently I'm the chair now. Um, right. Isn't yeah, that how I stayed on from from interim interim to initial? I think it wasn't a it wasn't quite a full board election. I think it was. It, but you're right. It was about ten places out yeah. of about sixteen um, that were up for grabs. It wasn't quite a, as as straightforward as that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It certainly wasn't. Um, but then we held the. Then I mean we obviously. We carried on with the communication because we saw the communication as absolutely vital with mm. the member. Um, it was it was important to get that website out and up and running. Um, once we became a trust, and we'd obviously we we'd got Peter to to flip the NUSC to an NUST one, um, so that it was all branded up, etc. Um, and then we went into the like as Neil says the the, the first real election. Um, which I think I think I, I don't know I came seventh or something <laughs> in it with about like 190 votes. I think the maximum was I think Colin got 270 or 280 votes. It was yeah. it was you know it wasn't you weren't getting voted in by the hundreds of thousands or the the tens of thousands even you know it was very much a you know 280. Um, and then I think cutoff point was like 197, and I think I got I had 197, and the next one was 95, and I, might, I managed to scrape in or something like that. And uh, I think Neil was was above me. Um, I think Mark Mark because obviously Mark was was well known in the, in the northeast um, and among the fans because of his role with the Mag um, and Collins, I say because of the save our seats and stuff he'd done with with, with Keith uh, back in the day. And and because he'd been out there on the roadshows as well, you know, Bill Corcoran. Yeah. There's, there's another another one. Bill came in with his with his financial acumen, and it wasn't long after that that I think it became serious. It became very very serious, and it became at times quite fraught and frantic among mm. the board. Because I think, it, as always happens in those situations, you suddenly start to look at well, which direction are we actually going to be heading? You know, are we? <laughs> Some people thought now we're trust that was it. We don't have to do anything. Other people thought yeah. now we're, we have to do ten times more. Some yeah. people were sitting in the middle. Um, some people were non-committal, um, and that's ah. that was very much the sort of. Um, 
discussion points really that that were heading at at board level. Probably things that we should have already had ironed out, if the truth yeah. be known. At that you know long beforehand. I think, I think circumstances. But it was the, it was the uncertainty about who was going to be there and who wasn't, and who were you going to be dealing with post election. But also, you know, in a situation like that, as a trust board, you walk a really fine line, I think, between there's times as the trust board you've got to lead. And you've got to say, this is where we're going. And there's a lot more times where you must absolutely 100% be guided by your membership and reach out to your membership in every way you can to um, to shape how you go forward as a trust. And there was 100%, some people on that committee didn't want that. They just wanted to lead. Can I say something? No. Can I say something? I thought you'd been on another call. I'm listening to this, and uh, well, I made the call up, don't you? Uh, I, I, I listened to this, and uh, it takes me right back to the time, because, mm -hmm. as you know, I knew you two quite well, and I was very close to Colin Whittle. And I went on them road shows. So when you went down to Neville's Cross Club, I was there, and I brought the car load, load lads up. And you're right. You, you bang on about this. You enthused your Castle fans into thinking something was going to happen that was going to take all their opinions on board and you'd get listened to. So I bought into it at the start. And it's interesting what you've said, because on the NUSC, it was like the SMB logo, that one with the, you know, the round logo. It was like mm -hmm. NU and, and the C upside down, which we all love that logo. And when we saw your new trendy logo with the, 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 the Millennium Bridge, us traditionalists like the Tyne Bridge better, and we thought, well, that's a bit modern. And what happened is, I think you did an outstanding job on getting all the information in. I think the roadshows were brilliant. And I'm just going to, I might really put the cat on my pigeons here, because I remember back then saying, this sounds great. I think we're all going to get a voice. And then you got all the information. And then the next thing you had to do was use it. And what went happen is you had to make a plan and out came the trust. And from then, I can remember as clear as day having a conversation with Colin Whittle, where he says, Keith, we want you on board. You're one of them people who can help us. You can help make it business-like. And I said, what's the purpose? And ultimately, at that time, I was told it was to buy some of the club. So I was told very, very early doors that, that back then, that eventually trusts own clubs. And I just, back then, I thought, nah. And that was nearer when it was feasible. But... You were right. There was a mountain of work done to get your model. But then, even I, back then, can remember some of them people that were involved saying they didn't want to talk to the members no more. There was people on your committee back then, and I'm not, I'm not going to pull punches, that were telling people back then that they didn't need to go and talk to the members anymore, and they didn't need to do roadshows anymore. And you, and you have just said tonight that the roadshows were invaluable. Well, there was a great thing to be a part of. There was a great thing to listen to. There was great involvement. But then when people the don't want to do them no more, then why? What, what's it about? Because that's where the members are. And that's where the 14,000 members still are now. They all want a voice. But how much does the 97% of people voting for X get related to the board who's run it? That's, that's my doubt. And back then, 
It was £10 membership. Steve said, was it 10 or 3? It was a tenner, and I paid the tenner. I know it's only three now, but then I dropped out because mm. I wondered. It didn't sound at the end when I dropped out as though it was like them roadshows. It was as though the message from the roadshows, the likes of you two, got lost at your committee level. It, it, because there was definite debate at committee level about where you should go. It was the people and, and, not wanting to talk to members anymore? Yeah, 100%. There's that word that creeps up in every single episode of Newcastle Disunited, our, 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 you know, our, our series of shows. Yeah. Divide. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it was super frustrating because those of us who'd spent the time and effort doing all of that to get there, um, like, I, like I say, I, the, the, the stuff I learned from those road shows Massive. was, was huge, Keith. Yeah. Huge, and and still to this day gives me the I believe gives me the ability to reach out to any Newcastle fan and have a conversation with them, face to face at their level in any way they want to, and even if we don't disagree about it, it's it's not a biggie because the big thing is Newcastle United. That's what we're all interested in. Um, well, like if, if Steve Ray says there that this divide comes in, shit. You it sounds like you had a committee to eight ten people. And if there's anybody in that room says, but I don't need to talk to the members anymore, the, the rest should vote them off. Because you set that up based on listening to members. You did roadshows yeah. based on listening to members. The and, whole and trust was supposed to be about members, not about the committee. And, and, yeah. and that's, the, that's the thing, like you rightly say about the roadshows, was to be able to go and spend time listening to people who were uh, hearing exactly. them out. And exactly. even when they felt that they'd been heard out, if you did something different, they said, "Yeah, but you know, you came and talked to us, and I felt like you'd listened to us, and you felt like you're right. all on board." That's Definitely. what Newcastle fans want most of all. Yeah, but um, what you at that point, Neil, was you were able to go back to them and you were able to explain to them why you couldn't go ahead in the direction yeah. they were taking it or wanted it to be taken, because you were able to tell them we couldn't do it because of X, Y, and Z. Not because we just couldn't be bothered to do it, or not because yeah. we're ignoring no, you. No, because we, do, we don't give a stuff about you. Yeah, That's exactly. True. But when you suddenly put the shutters up and you decide not to talk to them in the first place, that that communication, that that, that <laughs> way of talking, that that way of 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 extrapolating everything goes out the window. And I mean, it's interesting what you say, Keith, because I, if I remember rightly, what what happened at this point was we had the we had the interim board. And everybody, for a fortnight at least before the election um, of the main of the new the new elected board, um, that members had voted on. Everybody around there felt as though, well, it, we, we got the results and we felt right. Well, great. That means that we're going to carry on. Neil will Neil will be like an excellent chair. Neil will do that. You know, the vice chair is going to be the person who's been sitting behind them. Um, the, the lads who have been looking after media will carry on with their role with media. The people who have been looking after membership will will continue to look after membership, um, and so on and so forth. The lads who like Colin looking after legals would continue with that. I remember going into the boardroom and Neil sitting there. You know, I'm saying boardroom. We're actually in a room in the room there, somewhere upstairs, and and sitting there and um, and. And all of a sudden, you know, Neil starts the meeting and a hand goes up and there's one or two people had been elected that we didn't know um, or weren't part of the of, of the original setup. 
Um, and somebody piped up and said, well, I think we should have an election among the board over who should be the chair. And some of us just imagined that it was just going to, you know. It's it could be you nailed. Know, well, well, basically, yes. I mean, you know, with everything worked why would you want to change something? But no, no, somebody, somebody wanted to put, put themselves up and said, well, I'd like to be the chair. So... <laughs> That was that came as a bolt out of the blue because the conversation for the previous couple of weeks had been all geared around and, and everything, you know, everything were, were, we were going into that meeting with with you know well thought out, well discussed in, in pre-meeting terms, the rubber stamping of and, and carry on as before, carry on the business, carry on the roadshows, carry on the dialogue, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And we got hit with that. <laughs> and and some and it was like whoa, hang on a minute, you you didn't want to you didn't want to be up front for the last eighteen months, two years, but you want to be up front now, or you want to be sitting in the in the in the big chair for want of a better. We need a new chairman, and it needs to be me. That's what right. almost, almost yeah. because this person, yeah, you know, because it had been decided that that's the, that the, the, the fancied it now. They'd had a, they got a mandate they felt because they got the votes and the, and they fancied having a shot and I, I just remember being very disappointed at that I felt as I felt let down um, I felt I felt as though you know we had to, we had to say something which some of us did and 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 disagreed but didn't realise that things happen in smoky dark rooms before you go into a meeting and it's like a theatre company because there's enough. Enough people being canvassed from around the table um, that are going to give the thumbs up to that. And oh yeah, yeah, I think it'd be really good. Um, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll vote. I'll vote for I'll, that. I'll, I'll second it. And poor Neil's sitting there going, right. Well, I'm out the seat then, aren't I? <laughs> you know, <laughs> hand over the hand over the deck chairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm out this deck chair. You take on you take on this uh, this Titanic now, and uh, I, I'll 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 step aside, which was basically what Neil had to do. Um, I, I know th I know three people who, who who weren't happy with it, but we we had no say. You know, we we were outvoted. That's democracy. And as you said, you talk about the structure and the setup. It, it, the whole trust was set up like the by the like on on the lines of the cooperative society, which basically is like a trade union. You know, that it's that trade union rules. You know, um, one member, one vote. Uh, you, you have a committee, you have an executive committee, you have rules that you have to follow, um, you know, forwarded, set, you know, put forward, seconded, agreed, hands up, all that type of thing, you know. Um, and, and that's and that's basically what you have to what you have to get on and, and put up with. And you know, that's the rules, that's the rules. Um, whether whether we like them or not, um, Maybe we should have been a little bit more fastidious and uh, studied the rule book a little bit more <laughs> before we got to that point. But uh, you know, when you've got basically for two years, what what are you know, as Neil said, people that we didn't really know when we first went into the room two years earlier, but who were considered to be you know friends uh, around that table at that point because we'd gone through so much and and done so much, um, so it, it it left a bit of a sour taste in in, in my mouth anyway uh, I don't I mean I can't speak for Neil Neil's big enough to speak for himself at that at that particular point you know so what, what was your what was your feelings about that then Neil I mean you know you, you've just mentioned 30 emails a night you found you were uh, going through at that right. period of time you put a hell of a lot of work in and let's reiterate this we've said this many times 
this is done for free. This 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 sadistic uh, yeah. thing that we've chosen as a bit of a a bit of an occupation over the last thirty years. None of us get paid for this. We do it for free. So, but, what, was but your, again, what was your feeling? You, you've just used a phrase there, though, and this sticks in my craw when I see people using this. People use it almost like a like a form of skin cheese. Um, well, you do better. I do this for free. And if you want to think you do better, you come and do it. Um, yeah, we do. We do it for free. We've put hours and hours and hours. I've said openly on this this show many times before on this channel. You know, setting up the trust and doing all the roadshows was what finished off my first bloody marriage. Yeah, it was actually mentioned in the bloody papers <laughs> for God's sake. Um, if you said that so earlier, if you said that earlier to people, that there's a load of people who applied for it. If they knew by getting that job, they could get rid of the. <laughs> 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 um, and, and so yeah, you do do it for free. Um, sadly, I'm a cynical sod, and I constantly expect to be disappointed by people. But you dropped out, though, didn't you, Neil? You dropped out. You accepted it. So, right, I'm out. Not yet. Not, 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 not yet. yet. No, no. no, no. See, that's, that, my no. understanding then was he, he just said, right, you have it. He just give the give the chair over. Oh, yes. Was that, it was a kangaroo yeah. court. You ran a kangaroo was, court in there where yeah, people it, would be empty before the I know me battles to pick. Uh, and, I, and I'm big enough. You're big enough shoulders and broad enough. And my ego doesn't take that much of a bruising yeah. with the things like that. I know the battles to fight and I know the battles yeah. to walk away from and 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 and, and I'm not going to be um, upset by that. What I was upset by was by certain individuals who I thought, after spending 18 two, months, two years two in the years, trenches yeah. with them, would be would have a little bit more backbone. Ah, uh, exactly. But that's not my problem to live with. That's somebody else's. I can stand and look at myself in the mirror quite happily, thank you very much, and lie straight in my bed, and I don't have any fibres and mm. things that hang around us. I was quite happy to stay on the, involved with the committee. Ironically, then, once they started the, the whole Yes We Can campaign, they wanted me Back to on. be doing more, more and more media because I'm a gobshite. Because <laughs> you can give us a microphone with no script, and I can talk my way through it in a vaguely articulate fashion, yeah. um, which I was quite happy to do. Um, however, as time goes by, you do start to think, hang on, A, I'm being used, and B, am I being set up for something here? Yeah. And so um, it, it did wear, start to wear thin, but that's maybe something we'll, we'll go into in a, in a little while. So after um, you took over, the new guy takes over. What, what happens to the trust then? Oh, I'm trying... This is just a commit. This is just a, a, just a, a this is commit. This is committee business, Keith. It just rumbles on because now you've got your constitution, and again, something else to be hidden behind. We are a we have a constitution. We are legally recognised. We are the only um, elected process. Yeah, 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 yeah. We are. But that's something you can hide behind as well as something that you can use for your power. Um, and yep, too many yep. people who should know better are quite happy to die behind that then, as they are now, in my yep. opinion. I mean, I mean, no, we did some devious things ourselves as a as a group. Oh, as for a, God's as a, sakes! You know, some yes. really devious things. I mean, we, 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 there was when we wanted to set up a support as trust. The first thing the support as direct said to us is you can't call it Newcastle United. 
And we said, why not? And he said, because you've got to get permission from Newcastle United to use the name. So you might find that you might have to be called something like the Magpies Supporters Trust or as other, the Toffees Supporters Trust, you know, the... The, the thrustles as it was for West Brom, if they had one, or mm. you know, I think Spurs became, they didn't become, the, eventually got the Tottenham Hotspur. I think, you know what I mean? So we had to, we had to go because Neil mentioned it, because we had a relationship with, or, or in, in inverted commas, we, 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 oh, we Steve would did. I'd, I'd take Derek for a paint tomorrow if he walked in the door. Would, and I probably would myself because he's a character and, you know, All's fair in love and war, I suppose, uh, is is what I'm getting at. And 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 it, it, just today or, or yesterday or today, we were, we were um, this is July, by the way, and uh, we're talking about this type of thing and and what's currently been going on with the with the current supporters trust and the very fact that at some point in time they're going to have to talk to Mike Ashley if he's still there, you know. So you've got to you've got to make sure, you know, that that you've you've got to be prepared for every eventuality. We so we went to the club. It's the it's the age old adage about be careful how you treat people when you're on the way up because you sure as shit meet them on the way back down. Exactly, yeah. that's true. But what we did was we went we went to make we went to the club. We wrote to the club, and we. We put some ridiculous timeline on it, you know, some ridiculous time scale, and just say, uh, and just said basically, just to let you know, we're gonna we're setting up a supporters trust, um, and it'll be it'll be for Newcastle United fans, and um, I'm sure you've got no objection to that, um, and the and the comeback, we got the got the email back saying, yeah, yeah, do whatever you like, which meant that we <laughs> we just then took that as. <laughs> Just ambiguously value. used the, yeah. the fact so, that he said we could do we'll one. Those four words together, and we'll have support as trust. And oh, at the beginning of the paragraph, we had Newcastle United in it, so we'll meet we'll meet them in the middle, and uh, we'll take out those little those little few words that were in the gap, and we'll call ourselves Newcastle United support as trust. And if and if they come back in six months' time, we'll say, well, we got this letter from you that told we could do it, you know. But we also gambled on the fact that you know what they couldn't care less. They couldn't. We thought, you know what? The chances are it'll go straight over the top of their heads. They couldn't care less. And then once we're con- we 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 had a, an agreement with, uh, or it was stated by supporters director. Once you got the name, that was it. You know, you just show us what you've what that you've communicated, and they've they've come back and they're okay with you setting up a trust, and and we'll go with it. So you know, we we kind of flammed it a little bit, uh, and that wasn't that wasn't me or Neil. That was that was the lad and, and last. Around the table, you know, we, we spent a little bit of time thinking. We thought, how devious can we be? What do we want? We want to be Newcastle United supporters trust. How can we do it? That this is what supporters direct are telling were. How can we get round that? How far can we stretch it? How far can we can we yeah. sort of really how- really push this envelope to get what we want? Um, and do we actually need to state the very fact? You know, in in words of one. Where, where do where do you bend the rule until it breaks? Yes. And don't don't get to that point. And we yeah. did that on a number of things actually when we were setting everything up, um, because it was the most expedient way to do it. That's right. So so once set up, once set up, once it's there, and you've got the trust, you've got the name, and everything else. What do the fans feel now? What's happening now? What what messages are you putting out? Right. Well, at, at this point, very very quickly, we got approached by um, a financial institution who said, we've been watching with interest, and now that you're a supporter's trust, 
we think we can work with you on putting together a package that could potentially buy the football club off Mike Ashley. That's where I was told, yeah. So at that point, we went, right, what, is that, what does that mean? What, what are we looking at here? Um, the company was a, a company that was involved in pension schemes. Yeah. Uh, and SIPs and such like. Luckily, we had Bill Corcoran on the board, who financial advisor who understood a lot of, of this. Um, the company was headed up by two ex-footballers. One was Graham Roberts, former Chelsea, Tottenham Hotspur, Glasgow Rangers. And the other one was a guy that we loved in advertising. So much. So much. Such a, you know, he was revered on, on Tyneside as a footballer. Uh, David Speedy. <laughs> you, remember him? <laughs> you remember him, Keith? Well, not very much, I. <laughs> right. And this this group, fronted up by these two, came up and tried to sell to us the idea that there was the possibilities. Now, that, that, that's all well and good. I mean, you hear that on the top level. And, and as, as most supporters in that situation, you're going to go, wow, it, you know, 80, £80 million, pound. we could raise £80 million, pound. we could get Mike Ashley out, he's, he's wanting to go... At the same time, there was a big financial house or a big house in, in, in Newcastle, just a stone's throw from St. James's Park, full of financial advisors who who we contacted or contacted us one day and they said, um, we understand, we've heard on the grapevine that you might be putting a scheme together to buy the football club, to support that scheme. Well, we hadn't, we didn't at the time. But naturally, the first thing you're going to say is, yeah, yeah, that's, that is part of a plan. Um, because you're not gonna, you're not gonna know, you know, you want you want to know what they're gonna say. What are what? Why have they come? They they must have something. And this particular house said, uh, the finance house said, you know what? We could help you buy it. We could help the fans buy the football club. We could probably get it you for sixty million. But to get it for sixty million, you all your job as supporters. So for us to bring the financial people in who will do the work and who will basically take over the football club but involve you in some way, shape or form, you will have to convince the fans that not a single fan goes into St. James's Park for the next eight games. And we went, nah, never going to happen. Not going to happen. There is no way that we are going to stand up and say, don't go in for eight or nine games. Boycott the club. Destroy the destroy the whole embers, just so that some rich financiers can step in and take the football club for what they said was sixty million. They wanted us to devalue the brand so much that they could pick it off. And we thought, we you know what, we'll be kicked into the into touch here. We'll 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 get the fans will get nothing. Yeah. That that was very much. Uh, right around the table, you know, for once, 10 out of 10, you know. Um, but what we saw was an opportunity to to put a campaign together that could explore the possibilities of fan ownership in a small, medium or large way, because that's that's what support us trust do, apparently. Um but 
but this this is also where it started to get a little bit weird. Yes, a, a, a bit like now, when when we tell people from the conversations we've had inside the club that they're getting in excess of occasionally ninety inquiries a month. That's genuine. What what we're told. Yeah. So us then as an embryonic trust suddenly had all sorts of chances appearing, seeing they could help her buy the club. The best one for me was Peter Lee. Yes. <laughs> Who initially, when the, e- when the email email came in and I got handed around, I'm like, this is somebody taking the piss, man. It's Peter <laughs> Lee. Oh, yeah. And, and no, he was a real person. And he came oh, up I thought, and it was, I thought it was Peter's and Lee. <laughs> yeah, it, it, he, he came up and spoke to her. Um, and he was... He, he was more random than a box of bloody rainbow-coloured frogs. I mean, uh, just yeah. out there. But passionately determined that he could help us by the football club as supporters, and he had a plan. Yeah. And it involved this and it involved that. And then then as, as things evolved, then suddenly it genuinely gained momentum and everybody became sort of the ears were pricking up because... So many people who had far more credibility were saying, "Yeah, this could work," and and that was where that next little surge came from, wasn't it? Steve really right. was, yeah. You know, that, it, it gained a bit of momentum. That's right, and that's why we set up the Yes We Can campaign because yeah. the, it was yes. You know what? If anyone can do it, because we had all of these people turning up saying that they could buy the football club. And we wondered where are the supporters going to be left here? Are the supporters going to be left on the shelf? Are we going to be left in the gutter again? Are we just going to get another Mike Ashley? But what we also saw was the deterioration of the football club at this particular point. You know, um, the the club was was not just going into itself; it was it was basically internally combusting. All of the things that a football club, and it's very similar, I suppose, in some respects now. Um, we felt as though that there was so much that the club should have been doing. You know, it it didn't have a it didn't have a player of the season. It didn't have it didn't have a um, it didn't, didn't have, have any community. It didn't didn't, it, have, didn't have didn't have anything in terms of fan input that any normal functional club. When's this day? What, what, what for the fans watching this show? When was this happening? Like relate that to time. Uh, 2010, Neil? 2010, yeah. 2010, yeah. 2010. So, 2010. so again, you talk, you talk three years, it actually is real, roughly. And sitting, 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 sitting talking this through with Steve, with Bill, with Colin, was, got me, was what got me fully re-engaged again. Um, and particularly when people were saying, well, can you go and do this interview with the Chronicle? Can you do this? Um, that got me fully engaged again. I've got to say, because um, the bigger picture was well, we could have a vehicle here if it's thought through and if it's done well. And I remember the eventual vehicle. I, I, again, I've alluded to this before. I remember sitting with you and Bill for about three hours in the Irish Centre with Bill trying to explain how this vehicle worked to me. Yeah. And the only thing I can relate it to was Father Ted and Father Dougal in the caravan with the cows. <laughs> no, no. This this one's big and that one's far away. And I'm going, no, you're gonna to have to tell us again, Bill. Right. Um yeah. it, you know, it was just trying to 
Because anybody who knows us will tell you, if you give me money in my pocket, I'll spend it. I'm, I'm, I'm not financially savvy. And so to be, be given something that sort of exceptionally financially savvy and a wee bit complicated was, was a bit like teaching Neanderthals how to make fire. You know, yeah. I was just like, God, mind blown. Um, yeah. But yeah, but it certainly got me re-engaged and, and passionate about the role that the trust could have in this this yeah. but what we, what thing we did, is again momentum, you know? Yeah, what we did with the Yes We Can campaign, however, wrapped around that, wrapped around eventually saying that, that fan, the fans would have to have involvement in the football club. No matter who owned it, whether the fans managed to get a share in it, whether it was a big multi-million dollar pension fund that dipped into it, whether it was forty thousand fans putting, you know, pension fund money in or convincing whether it, we even tried tying and we are pension funds and people like that. There was all sorts of, of, you know, we we looked at all sorts of different ways, different different vehicles for bringing finance to buy a football club but under, and, and, under, and the challenge was making sure it wasn't a collective investment scheme and exactly. therefore illegal exactly. and, and that was the biggest thing to get around that's right but what we said underpinning all of that had to have there had to be something in place that would immediately involve the supporters and we saw the yes we can campaign as that very much that, at least I did. I, I drafted an awful lot of it. I threw a lot of, of, of work into it. And what we were picking up, we were picking up all of the things that the football club had thrown away or had yeah. never involved themselves in since Mike Ashley took over. The Hall of Fame. We said, you know what, we'll create a Hall of Fame and we'll stick it in and we'll we'll have a we'll have a you know we'll we'll have an event every month where we'll bring a foot a player in. In, and we'll have this Hall of Fame and we'll have a corridor and we'll have it anywhere. You know, it'll, it'll be a corridor in the city council if necessary or it'll be in the Irish Centre or it'll be in the Labour Club or it'll be in the what's now the Leasers Club. It'll be somewhere where, you know, we'll get a player and, and we'll all as fans acknowledge that player for what he's done for the football club because Newcastle United weren't doing it. Then we said we would do, we would do a junior club. It was mm -hmm. like... You know, the, we'd had the junior magpies that had disappeared, and we said, you know, we'll do something that brings that. We'll run well, junior we did, we did, we, competitions. We did a junior yeah. junior football competition, yeah. didn't we? we ran junior that football. was massively well attended. Absolutely really well we ran, attended. We ran our own five aside local five aside competition over a bank holiday. Um, we 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 looked at um, a player of the season award, not just the not just the the award, because we said that there was there was nothing like that. We grasped the imagination of people like the Chronicle on on that type of thing because they went, you know, yes, this is what fans do. You know, fans fans as an organisation acknowledge the players that play for the football club every season, and the Chronicle hadn't even twigged on it as the as the main and the journal, the main national print people in the that they didn't even run a players player of the year or a player of the year competition and stuff like that. So we we thought, you know what, you put all that structure around. But we're also doing it with a, with a, with a thought that if you, if the football club can be bought, we have to have a say in, in what that, you know, what that owner is going to bring, um, and what they can do, and whether we can we can have a say in that. It might not be viable for us to raise the money to to be part of it, but that was that was the the thinking at at that particular time. 
Um, and we 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 actually we actually produced a, a, a in a big fanfare at the Civic Centre actually with all the press around, um, and we 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 introduced the Yes We Can campaign, and it was very much a campaign. It was something that we wanted the members to get behind, um, and to and to support and to understand, and and again. Because we hadn't been discussing much before, we we wanted to say, yes, we can run our football club. Members, you tell us if we do this, can we run it that way? Should we run it that way? But it was very much informative in saying we pull a structure together. If we if we've got the the firm foundations there that would make it happen, that, that would that would facilitate it. Would you, as members, back it to make it happen? And that was what, and, and we wanted to say, yes, we can do it. Can we all do it? That was the yeah. that was the theme, if you like, that we were trying to get over. At least that's the that's the way that that I saw it, and the way that many many others saw it at the time. We put a lot of effort in. Um, How many members, Steve, would you have at the time? Sorry. How many members would you have in the trust at the time? Oof. It was probably, I would say, by this point, fully paid up members. Ten, ten pound members, that's what they were. I think it was about I think there was about eight thousand. So you're like eighty grand in yeah. fees. Yeah. I think and it's just eight. You got fourteen thousand members at three quid. So that's yeah. like forty grand. So yeah. by changing from ten pound to three pound, your your revenue's halved. Yeah, so what, 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 yeah. what year would this be? Yes, you can. Would be what? 2012? No, 2010. This was 2010. What yeah. happens between then and that? Like, what's the gap in between? Because when did you stop doing it? Well, when well, when yes, <laughs> when, when, for me that yeah, you're leaving with, with a different place here. Yeah. yeah. Um, sorry, for me, sorry. We've, we've, established, no, no. We've, established, we've established how we've gone from NUSC to NUST. Yeah. We've, we've established that Neil was a chairman and then was unceremonially yeah. removed, but by political means, shall we say. Yeah. yeah. Um, so now we're really at this stage where things are starting to change and not for the better, I guess, Steve. Um, I think this is where oh. things started to, I would say, unravel. Sorry, I've brought this up. Yeah, no, 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 no. Well, we said we've no, only got two Keith, hours, it's very Keith, difficult Keith, to cram. Keith, it's, yeah. it's a great point to segue in now because yeah, you know everybody yeah. knows what happened with Yes We Can. Unfortunately, unfortunately, me and Keith, as I said right at the start, uh, you know, we're an hour in already. We're very much, although we've been involved to a degree in this, we're very much sitting at ringside watching things go on, whereas you know, Steve and Neil were in the ring. So yeah. that's that's the way to describe it. So to back to you, Steve, it's why I said you're probably the best yeah. to, to lead it. Well, but Keith, keep interjecting. I'll probably right. sit sit out I will, because <laughs> I'm trying to get yeah. I'm trying to get to where it was and what it got to. That's yeah. what I'm yeah. trying to right. that's well, obviously, obviously, we didn't stay. So there's the point where we left. You know, why did we leave? What what you know we, we we're no longer part of it. Um I mean just to just to finish off where we were, where we were established, this is in the World Cup of 2010, June, there was the Supporters Direct uh, Football Supporters Federation. They did a joint AGM. And by this point, what we had done in such a short period of time was starting to get noticed nationally. Yeah. And Supporters Direct was so impressed and the yeah. FSF was so impressed that the FSF invited us 
or invited one of like three of us down to the AGM. We watched the watched that debacle of a game on the Saturday um, in a hotel in London, um, where I, I think it was I forget who was it Rob Green possibly in goal where he dived and the ball went under him or might it was it Carson or somebody like that I can't remember who. Um, I think we we're playing America. It was <laughs> I think we we're playing the USA. Anyway, the following day we we I'd, I had done a presentation. I asked to do a presentation, 25, 30 minute presentation to the other other supporters trusts. So I created this little PowerPoint presentation. But basically what they were all interested in is was the, the battle that we were having with Mike Ashley, the battle that we'd had with the club, the the loss of Keegan, et cetera, which we could talk about for till the cows come home and you could talk about it ten times better than me as well, I'm sure, Keith. But we did. This is what this is where the standing was at that particular time. So we did this presentation, and I got taken to one side by some Rangers, and said, um, "Would you fancy coming up and doing exactly the same with our AGM? We have an AGM. We were playing Glasgow Rangers in the summer um, in mm -hmm. a preseason friendly, and he said, if you come up that weekend, we'll we'll jig our AGM around that. You come up and you know go at the match as you would." And then if you stay overnight, then you can come back and we'll we'll you can do your presentation. We'd love the fans to hear this because this is kind of a warning shot. They had nothing to do with Mike Ashley at the time. It was quite ironic that they ended up getting dumped in the manner that they did, but uh and, and having Mike Ashley on the lap and, and all the angst that, that was created. But the reason I'm saying it is because the previous year it had been the the uh supporters liaison officer and team from Barcelona who had done the talk in Glasgow Rangers. And the following year, they were asking fans in Newcastle United to do the talk mm. to their membership. So that was that was a stand and we got. This is this is the, the sort of respect that had been gained, if you like, by yeah. by NUST to all the all the work that they've done. Um so that 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 kind of moves that away. Now now we'll talk about what happened next as you as you as you rightly yeah. asked. Um, what year is this? We're still in. <laughs> still, still 2010, mate. Still 2010. We're into this September, October 2010. Um, and somebody contacted us and said they were having a few problems that they wanted to um, to air with the with some of the committee. Um, how do I put this over, Steve? Do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm, more, I'm more than happy to say it because it was me, and and ultimately with um, with NUST, uh, there was an advertising campaign which was uh, you know aimed at the supporters to try and recruit members, and you know various campaigns that would take place that that was often the way that they would contact the fanzines, and at the time there was a, a plethora of fanzines. There was you know True Faith, there was the Mag, of course, and there was mine. Uh, which went through a variety of names. It started as the Mighty Quinn and then became the number nine. And uh, then, you know, we we ended up with Toon Talk. So I had um, I had three fanzines. I, I also did a regional magazine called Players Inc. But uh, this particular magazine um, that we were doing at the time was Toon Talk. Uh, we'd made a we'd made a return to the. The fanzine, the fanzine uh, lifestyle, and and it was a it was a really nice magazine. Loved it. We had sponsors, and um, the magazine sales were okay. Um, of course, that ruffles feathers. 
uh, Steve Race back on the scene. Um, you know what? You know what can we what can we do to get rid of him? Was often often the, the, the you know the 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 chitter chatter in bars around Newcastle and as far as the fanzine was concerned. But I I just cracked on. Um, and Steve, at this point, we were the, the trust were aware of your fanzine, and you you I I was on the. I was on the committee that was trying to keep the, the part of the committee that was trying to like liaise with with and, and publicity publicity and such like as Neil was, and I was tasked with talking to you. And one of the things you came to me and said was, "I'll offer you a couple of pages in the fanzine." Um, every every time I put a fanzine out, you can do an NUST piece. That's what you offered us, and. I was like, I was chuffed a bit because we, we this meant yet another publication that was giving us an opportunity to get the message out, perhaps to people who weren't buying any of the other fanzines. It might have been, a, you know, yours might have been aimed at a slightly different clientele or a slightly different readership or whatever words you want to use. So you asked me if, if, if the trust would be interested and I said, I'll take it and yeah, I'll, I'll put that forward. That was when... We hit a wall. The juicy stuff. That was when it was pointed out that Toon Talk had an advert in it or used an image that some people felt was sexist. And it was a, the, the last was a, had a sprayed top. It was like, you know, like a football body top. Paint. Body painted top. Uh, and, and it was it was decided not not by the committee, but it was decided by certain people who had the fanzines. Well, no, certain people in well, yeah, people who had a fanzine that were involved, but also people within the, within that echelon who had kicked Mitch off, if you like, people in that little clique. Yeah, yeah. decided that it wasn't right to have that particular being associated with that sort of image, and if. Go back and say to Steve Reid, if he's willing to take the image down, we might be interested. So Steve being Steve, he came back and went, hang on a minute, there's other fanzines advertise topless stripper bars in town. They advertise, they advertise for your eyes only. They, they advertise, they advertise um, the vaults and idols and stuff like that. And, and they're, actually, they're actually promoting... The idea of going. Yet I've got this photograph or this image of a girl with body paint that doesn't show anything other than she's wearing a blue kit or a red kit or whatever it was. And he went, I'm not very happy with that. And I went, well, I'm sorry, but I, you know, that's what they've come out. I'm just reporting back, which is which is what I did. Um but you, you see we felt, this came... we felt as though it was hypocrisy. And that was that was another little another little chip that was starting to, to be created, um, that was breaking up the 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 core, if you like, of the board. Because we ne we then had division. And we we're going, well, why 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 have you lot decided that that can happen for that fanzine, but it can't happen for that fanzine? That's but, not. And it's all tied in with me being marginalised as well. I've known Steve a long time. I've had a good relationship with Steve a long time. He's a mate. We disagree God, on a number of different things, but he's a mate. And I've always wanted to get him involved with stuff. 
And he's always said to me, no, Mitch, I'm too marmite. I'm, uh, I'll, I'll cause more problems with you somewhere down the line just because it's me. Um, and I think one of the reasons that I was marginalised because people know I get on with everybody. And I don't have a, an agenda. I want everybody who I think is useful to galvanise the fan base mm. to, on the same party line. And I didn't care about your fanzines, even though I, I was writing for one of those fanzines. <laughs> and, yeah. and I, I didn't, didn't care about that. It was but, about, well, hang but, on, but he can do a job here. here. What was important here was that you were actually... Having asked and asked and asked and being told no, I'm Marmite, I'll not be, I, I'll not, I don't want to create problems for you. This was an opportunity where Steve actually came to us and said, I actually want to help the trust. I want to, I, I've got an, I've got something, yeah. here. I've got a magazine and I want, I now want to really, really give up, you know, two pages where, you know, that, that might have, that might have been two pages. You could put more adverts on. You could you, maybe if you've been looking, you could you might have had an advert for your eyes only, Steve. That you might have got some money for. I don't know. But th this was an opportunity to get the message even further. Another fancy. So this was unity. This was all the fanzines coming on board. Everybody was was yeah. then part of. Or at least that's what we were hoping we're getting. But we got the knockback. More importantly, Steve got the knock. Well, Steve got the knockback. But more importantly, we got the knockback because it was it was kind of a slight. I took it as a slight to us. You know, you're, you're not you're not switched on enough. You don't realize, you know, you, you should have realized that when we got. And this is when we suddenly realized what fan this is. Well, this was the this, first time you realized what fan politics was all about. This is yeah. me. You, you were saying about how I eventually walked away, Keith. At, at this point, um, in my missus was very was pregnant and very poorly. Yeah. Very poorly. Um and I was effectively running three businesses. Um and I just didn't need any more shit. And, and, it, and it got the hmm? <laughs> and two kids. <laughs> I yeah, you, you know, it, 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 people who knows will know this. I went from, you know, single broke to, to stepdad to dad in a very short period of time. Um, and that, my learning curve was like that, and I guess in some ways still is. <laughs> um, and uh, you, you look at kind of like the time you're dedicating to something and where you should be, and and it was just time to say, "No, nah, enough of this, enough of the games." Yeah, I don't want to play, here, play. What happened here, Mitch? Though, what happened here was this is where the rule book appeared out of nowhere. Yes. This is, where the, this is where the secretary, who had been had been brought in, wasn't voted in. This was the secretary who had been brought brought in, in to, be, to to take the part of a proper secretary, brought in by the chair. This is where the rule book appeared because Mitch was looking after the the ill wife, going through a really really horrendous time, pregnancy, trying to look after two little kids that he'd never looked after before. You know, if the truth be known, he would be the last person you would leave with two little kids. <laughs> and he knows, he knows where I'm coming from there. And he missed a couple of meetings. He missed three meetings. Let's let's and let's just say let's just say one of the incidents involved a cricket ball going through a sunroof on a car. Um, <laughs> yes, <yeah>. um. <laughs> but this was the point where the rule book said, um, and when Mitch 
commented about what was going on. He was told, and I've, I've got the emails, so I can I, I can relate this as day as night, white as black, whatever you want to say, whatever phrase, phraseology you use, I don't know. But he was told, when he when he raised the query and, and raised the point, he was told, well, you should have been at the meeting. You, you can't suddenly decide now that you're going to complain after the event. You should have been at the meeting. You weren't at the last three meetings. In fact, I think you've missed four now, um, and the rule book says that, you know, really, you should not be on the committee anymore because you've missed four meetings. And it was like, wow. Hang did on. He, did he go at that point? Did, did Mitch go at this point? Th this this yeah. is the point where Mitch went. <laughs> and did you stay? Yes. Right. And what year uh, is this? Bill Corcoran stayed. What year is this? <laughs> Tail end of twenty ten. It was a hectic yeah, turn. There, there, there was always there was also the issue which again I discovered, and it's a perfect time to interject on this. But there was also uh, the discovery of the fact that certain fanzines um, were invoicing for the adverts to go into the magazines. I now this, yeah. I personally had given my space for free to Steve on the understanding that. You know, I was giving them for free. However, what I did say to Steve was, if there is a payment that other fanzines are getting, then I want the same payment as the other fanzines. And Steve, in his due diligence in, in going backwards and forwards, then discovers that not only are they trying to stop me from advertising the trust due to this ruling of having a, a scantily clad woman in the uh, fanzine, despite there being other scantily clad women in other fanzines, but now they're getting paid and I'm not. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, and I was furious about that, Keith, yeah. because that was a point of principle. Not only, are they trying to, not only are they trying to shaft us on that, but now I find out that my generosity in offering uh, free advertisement space is now being thrown back in my face doubly because they're, they're putting in a big invoice as well, so I was furious, and, and and you know, luckily Steve Hasty didn't get it in the neck from me because I liked Steve <laughs> well, straight away. I trusted, <laughs> well, I, not not to the not to the degree of blaming him, but sure. you know, you were the one who had to deal with the conversations with me, and I wasn't very happy. Yes. What happens you, next? Then? You, sorry, Keith, go on. What happens next then? Well, what happens next is that that Steve says I want this brought up formally. Yeah. So I went like, okay. So I thought, well, the, the best, the, the only route you can take is that you, you can't take it to the committee. Yeah. You can't take it on the board. You take it to the secretary. So I took it to the secretary who um, said he, he would investigate naturally uh, and came back and said uh, was I was talking rubbish, basically. Um, and I was like, well, right, okay. I went back to... Steve and, and told him that you know the secretary reckons that that's not the case. He's he's checked the, he's checked up. He's done his work and 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 that's not the case, Steve. So, but Steve was still annoyed. Um, naturally, he, he felt he felt hard done to. He felt badly done to. Um, I I, I was I was the only one there that that knew this. Um, other than the secretary, I wasn't getting any back, and I wasn't I was on my own, if you like. Um, 
And so I I took it upon myself to speak to another committee member, someone who had only just joined the committee um, at the election, but um, someone who was on the one of the subgroups that that I was involved in. Yeah. So I I he he knew that there was something up with us, so he he, he contacted me and asked me what the problem was, and I texted him and told him. That there was a there was an issue. Um, explain what I thought the issue was. I think there was there was another issue to do with um, Steve and the fanzine anyway, with distribution and such like. Um, and I didn't know that that particular person would then immediately send the text messages to other people and basically. Um, that created an absolute stink. That that created an absolute pylon. Um, just putting the truth out. Well, <laughs> just confidentially talking to, trying to get something off your chest, trying to trying to get some of the weight taken away from what you were, what was what was in, you were encountering um, with the secretary and what you were encountering with with Steve. Um, you know, because I was I was stuck in the middle. I had two sides of it. I had Steve on one side, I had the secretary on the other. Um, and the secretary had said he'd done his inquiry. Steve wasn't wasn't happy with the outcome naturally, and I, I just felt as though I needed to I needed to share the burden, if you like, with yeah. someone who was on this particular committee. I, I, yeah. I, I, I didn't think that person would then go and 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 divulge everything that I was feeling and everything that I was saying, but they did. What happened? What happened? No, it, uh, turned out, it turned out, Keith, as well, that I was trying to get distribution um, with a with a distributor for my fanzine with the with with a well known newspaper, shall we say, in the northeast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, only to find out that somebody who was involved within the trust um, and also had an interest in another fanzine was putting the block on it with his contact at the Chronicle. Mm. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. The impact, the impact of which was that, as you put it, Steve, if you couldn't get the distribution that you wanted, that everybody else was getting, you were only able to get distribution with a, a national um, store. Yeah. It, and that national store, from what you told me, said that if your fanzine, if they took, say, a thousand copies of your fanzine, your fanzine could have 990 of them in Bishop Auckland and 10 in Newcastle. You had no say of where it was going to go, as opposed to the one with the well-known newspaper, whereby if you had a distribution with them, wherever their newspaper went, the fanzine would go. Yeah, and I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to embarrass the guy and mention him, but ultimately he caused, he, he basically spoke to me, I had an exchange of emails and he said he would be more than happy for me to for, for it to be transported with the Evening Chronicle within the city centre. But unfortunately, the person within the trust put a block on that and it was a deliberate ploy because they were involved with another fanzine. And I was, again, I was flabbergasted that that was going to, that that had happened. I really was. It was, for me, it was corrupt. It was, it was, you know, I didn't even see that as business. It wasn't a fair playing field. I was very upset, and especially after the fact that I'd reached out to the uh, the trust and given them an opportunity to, you know, have free advertisement within my pages 
only to then find out that the other fanzine was actually getting paid. It was just, it just became a mess. This is this is the big, big reason why there has been so much fallout between lots of people subsequently from then. Yeah, and I, I was piggy in the middle. I was the, I, I, I became the victim here, um, the victim of of my own naivety, I suppose, in in one respect. Um, but I was I was told by the well I was I was approached, and I was threatened that I was I was trying to damage other people's businesses, and um, I was going to get sued. And I was going to be taken to court. I was I was told I had to I had to um, I had to put a formal apology forward. All that type of thing. And then I, I was then approached and, and I was told by the secretary that the committee had been informed of what I'd done and they felt it was a full inquiry was required and uh, I was formally suspended from the board. Um, that was around about the, the November of 2010. Um, so there, was then a, there was then a, a, a whole raft of emails and correspondence between myself and the secretary um which said that having having listened to all parties he felt as though I did that I, there was a case for us to answer and that I would have to face a um shooting I'd committee to, I'd have to face the committee the I would have, court. I'd have to put my point of view forward I'd have to explain my actions. Um, and I don't think I've done anything wrong other than talk to another committee member. Uh, I had to explain my actions and explain why I was trying to damage the good name of committee members, committee members as businesses, and the committee in the kind of <laughs> in football in football jargon, um, bringing the club into disrepute, I suppose, if I want of a of a kind of a phrase. Um, by this point, I was laid up. I, I had, I mean, whether it was stress-related or what, I don't know. But uh, I, I did some real, real damage to me back. Um, I, I damaged a, um, a disc. I, and I was laid up for about, well, all the way through December. I was off work and I was laid up and I could hardly move. Um, and all the time I was, I was, I was getting told I had, to, I had to attend a meeting. I had to attend a meeting. I couldn't get I couldn't get out the living room. You know, I was sleeping on the settee. I couldn't I couldn't I could hardly get up. I was absolutely crippled. Um and I just kept getting badgered and badgered. Right, well, we need to know, right, you've got to come then. You've got to come you know, 4th of December, 11th of December, so on and so forth. To the point where I was to where I actually contact I mean, I had rafts of, of correspondence between myself and Sports Direct at this point. And I was saying to Sports Direct, look, can I can I send somebody in my place? I'll I'll do a written deposition. No, no, it's gotta be it's gotta be up front. You've got to be there. Um, well can I not can I not send someone on my half? I've I've got legal representation. I found out that the tr the trust was spending money um on legal advice against us. <laughs> You know they were using they were using a, a team of of um, solicitors that were work where that Sport as Direct would nominate. You know they, they sort of like there was like a team of solicitors, a company that all the Sport as di Direct um, provided uh, support as trusts. And I found out that this company they were taking advice on what to do about me. 
And I was expected to then spend money on, on a solicitor at this point in time. This is how Caesar was getting. And, and, and it's also a really good use of members' money to persecute the board <laughs> member, isn't it? Really. Yeah. So, so I'm 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 right up against it here, right? So I said, look, I'll, I'll I'll represent myself. I was I was getting legal advice from a good friend, um, former member of of the of the trust, who was who was giving me advice and guidance. Um, on what to say and what not to say. Um, free, pro bono, whatever the phrase is that you want to use. Um, but um, sorry about that. Um, so I was, I was, I was getting advice. I was getting guidance. That wasn't solicitor there, was it? No. It wasn't. <laughs> no. It wasn't. Next best. Um, Next best thing. Because it's come with a big letter. <laughs> Twelve years later. So what happens um, with you at PA, or what happens with you? Well, I, well, what happened was I, I said, look, I can't. What's the hurry? What is, what is the urgency about this? Why do we have to do this now? I'm laid up. I cannot move. You keep you keep constantly saying we've got to have this done. We've got to have this out in the open. We've got you know your your, your time bonding us all the way through. And uh, the, the secretary was well. That's your problem. That was the attitude I was yeah. that I was getting in the correspondence. So much so that, um, and it's funny because we talked about we've, we've talked in the past about um, about NCSL and about how you got a you got a letter um, from the Premier League just before Christmas um, at some ridiculous time of the day or night um, just to ruin your Christmas. Well, that happened exactly to me. I got, I got told on the, I got told that on the, I think it was like the 23rd or 24th of December. It was 23rd, Steve, because you sent me an email. Mine was was the 23rd, quarter five. Yeah. Well, this was, this was 11 o'clock at night telling me that, um, that they'd, uh, in my absence, that they had uh, found that I had brought the committee into dispute or the organisation into dispute or whatever the phrase they used. Um, and it had been decided that I should, I was forthwith uh, suspended formally for four months. I had two weeks in which to appeal, um, which took me up until like, the new year. Um, start the new year. And then after that, if I, if I didn't appeal, because didn't, I hadn't appeared, um, as far as they were concerned, that was it. Uh, and so I was basically what happened then was your emails were cut off. You, you know, you were no longer in correspondence for, and you were basically sent to Coventry for four four months. And then after four months, you get a you get a lovely email. You know, all of a sudden, your emails are back up and running. You get a lovely email saying, uh, "Oh, uh, just let you know your suspension's up now, and you're back in." Just like that. <laughs> I don't you know. And what do you, and what do you say? No chance. Exactly. Exactly. No chance. That's it. Um, why would I want it? Why would I want it? G-F-Y. By this point as well, Bill Corcoran had, had resigned. Mitch is out. Mitch is out as well. Bill Corcoran had resigned. Bill Corcoran had asked them about some... Asked to see the financials of the of the organisation as a as a... As part of his due diligence or part of his his uh, work well, with his financial let's, advice. Let's, let's just touch on something you've not mentioned either. Okay. About the, the questioning questionable individual that was brought in to the Yes We Can campaign that I got asked loads of questions retrospectively about by my ex wife. Yes. Who was who who is a very high powered auditor in the Northeast because she was investigating 
the company that that individual worked for. And she'd put two and two together. And I got the most random email out of the blue saying, look, you you don't want this email off me, but I want to talk to you. Um, And and so quite right, Bill wanted to look at everything because it was a mess. It was it was more than a mess. The word clusterfuck springs to mind. So but, is, is this is this a mess because of the monies they've got in that they're not accounting for it, or is this something else? Because as a as a football, the, fan, the problem is Keith. The more you knew, the less you understood. And, and 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 I'm not gonna sit here and chuck allegations of financial impropriety anyway. But the fact that they were resistant to letting anybody look at that in terms of due diligence always raises a red flag, even if nothing's improper. The fact that somebody's prepared to say, nah, you can't do that. That's not. It's not a good look. It's just not a good look. But I mean, I, Whether, I dropped out. I stopped paying me ten and dropped out. But I heard someone went to jail. So is that all to do with it? Well, look, that's, you can easily find that on the Northern Echo website. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, it was. It was a big. It's a big case. Um, you, you don't need to look very far to find it. But in you know, if we're talking a few years later, um, Paul Brown King, who Steve mentioned earlier, um, basically was sent to jail. Um, he was 64 at the time. He was jailed at court April 2019. He admitted two two fraud charges, um, ab- abusing his position of trust, overseeing the accounts of Bullion Hall Community Resource Centre in Chesterley Street and Mental Health Northeast in nearby Berkeley. Uh, the court heard he transferred £53,655 uh, of the Hall's fund into his own account between 2012 and 2017. He was caught out, of course, when he made out the cheque for £11,269 from the mental health charity to try to buy time and cover his tracks for some of the funds he'd taken from the bullion hall. So, huge case. You can Google Paul Brown King. You will find it on the website of the Northern Echo. Um, but, yeah, that was the big... How is it connected to the trust then? What position did he hold, Steve? Treasurer. Wow. Right. Now... You've been on the trust, Neil's been on the trust, and I was on briefly for a year to help them try and boost their numbers. Um, I certainly wasn't aware of this until you told me about it. And I was you know, then pointed in the direction by numerous people about it. Has this ever been declared by the trust? Um, Anyone's well, knowledge? Has it ever been put out there? Not, not to my knowledge. It I'm wasn't to my knowledge when I, when I was part of the... The committee for a year it's not something that which would even even have crossed my mind because i wasn't aware of it then um however i've never seen this put out there would it not be good practice and i mean keith i'll come to you on this i mean you're, you're somebody who deals with finances all the time is this something that should have been put out there legally if you've got a funds membership and you're gaining revenue and your treasurer goes to jail for anything to do with financial fraud there's a duty of care on that company then to uh, immediately do an audit on all the revenue that's come into that business, what's gone out. And the least you would do is a full due diligence exercise with a third party involved, where you put an auditor in place to go and trace your monies. Um, so, 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 I, so I uh, guess, obviously, I guess, I guess, the you know, basically, Steve, 
you you'd gone by then. Neil was well gone by then. I hadn't entered into the fray by then as part of the uh, part of the trust um, when he was arrested. So when they were fully aware of it, I guess whoever was on the committee at that time and whoever was, whoever was chair at that time maybe should have you know with hindsight and we're all very good with hindsight maybe should have made that maybe should have made the the decision to go to committee and make that public. I guess it would be available in the minutes if that was discussed. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know, Steve. I, I think if 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 obviously you've got it, you you have been in a situation in in that where where a, a, a treasurer has been arrested. And there's an ongoing court case. So at that point, I would imagine you wouldn't go to your membership or you wouldn't, as as a committee, do anything other than do some backtracking and see exactly whether you've been covered as well, whether you've been hit, um, because you'd want to satisfy yourselves. Yeah. Uh, but once the, once the case is over, I think you probably have a duty to inform your membership. Yes. Um, and you would also... At that point, I would have expected that you would have been able to report that you've gone back across the entire period of time when the person was holding the purse strings or checkbook or credit card or whatever it was to satisfy yourself and satisfy you as a committee that that members' finances have not been impacted by any of that. And I would have hoped that that has happened. Um, I'm not a member anymore. Obviously, I, I'm hardly going to be part of an organisation that's treated it or did treat us in the way it, it did. I, I've had I've had conversations with with subsequently over the last, well, even even recently, um, where the topic's been brought up by committee mem- to committee members, where I've described it as basically the elephant in the room. Um, if they're running a if they're running a pledge scheme um, and they're taking members' money. Uh, they're asking for for people to pledge, and I've got no problem with the pledge, by the way. But no, what I'm saying is, have. no, you have to be whiter than white, and you have to have you have to have everything in place. And I'm sure that I'm, or I'm almost certain that the pledge scheme's been set up, judging by the people who are the um, the what's the trustees. The, Trust, yeah, trustee or, or governor or whatever it is that they're, that they are overseeing it to make sure that nothing can come out. Um, I'm sure everything's above board on that, but that's not the support as trusts money. That is that is money set aside under and under something called Pledge eighty ninety two from a trust themselves, where the trust have access to the cash, the members fit monies that the members pay in as subs or membership money or whatever you want to call it, um, that's the area that you would want to make sure that you are you, you are white. And you would go back as far as that person was holding it. And, and I, I don't know if they did, but... My, my biggest problem here, because I know Paul Bromkin, he was on, he was on the yeah, committee when we won the committee. And, and, um, and I'm a very, very, a, a very decent lad and a good friend. And, yes. And, the hard work, intelligent chap, you know. It, always, always like, lend you a few quid. <laughs> Joke. <laughs> no, yes. I'm, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm thinking that where he says he's a decent lad. I'm thinking like, we, well, we, we, I, I would like to play cards with him. Well, you know, but you know what I mean. You, you look, take, look, Keith, what, Keith. I'll tell, t- tell you something. I've got, a, I've got a good mate who I love to bits, who has done time for something, you know, of that ilk. 
and to walk a day in his shoes to get him to the point where he had to do something like that. Um, you don't know which which path yeah. Yeah. you're going to take in, in, in that situation. So I think it, 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 it you, you've got to put a little bit of perspective on that. He's looking, he's serving I'm my sorry, biggest, I'm, listen, it's out, it's out there, it's in the public domain. We can, everyone my, can read my about it. My biggest, biggest issue with this is I can find you on social media a written quote by a subsequent chair saying, when I took over, we didn't have a website and we didn't have access to the bank accounts. Now, when I left as chair and when I left the trust, we had all of that and more. So what happened in that interim period and why are you making a statement like that when you're fully aware about what's happening to a former treasurer? Yeah. Why then have the members... Because it's the members they're answerable to. They're not answerable to me. I'm not a member anymore. Haven't been for a long time. And everybody after the day knows why. But you're answerable to your members. Why haven't the members had an email, at least, saying this has happened, we're investigating, we're cooperating, and this is what we've found perhaps in a subsequent email later on. Mm. There's been, to my knowledge, none of that. That's my problem, because you can't say, well, I didn't have access to the bank accounts and I didn't have a website. You're just doing that with it. Well, as a punter and a fan, it seems as though Steve Hasty gets a six-month investigation, four-month suspended for seeing one of our suppliers, a fanzine, don't get the same deal as one of the committee's fanzines. It seems as though he gets investigated for that and gets sent to Coventry, even though he's ill. Yeah. And they, they, they make quite damning comments to somebody who'd help set this up. And I was at them roadshows, and I was there when, like, Sir Colin Whitley, Steve Hastie were asking me to do print and help many which was, But But, but oh. he gets that treatment, and then a bloke goes to jail for, for, for misappropriating funds, and they don't seem to spend that three, four, six months investigating it. They investigate Steve Hastie well, to see if no one knows it. what they've done. Because they've never said to anybody, members, outside world, anything. Yet, so many people know that the elephant in the room isn't, it's it's not just an elephant in the room, it's a bloody troop of the buggers sitting down in the corner waving bloody flags with their trunks saying, who's done something about this and what have you done? To just wash your hands of it and almost continue to ignore it and hide it under a blanket is absolutely, in my opinion, ludicrous. But you're not saying, Mitch, you're not saying that they spent more time and money with solicitors investigate whether Steve Hastie had damaged the name of well, the committee members. I don't, and you're I saying, don't know, but to you or I looking from the outside in, it certainly looks like it, doesn't it? But have they spent the same money with solicitors auditors investigating the chairman? Misappropriating funds. That's what I'm saying. I tell you what surprised me tonight is the monies. Um, because I remember paying me tenner, you know, the Collins days, and then dropping out. when I, And, and I, the reason I said to Collins I was dropping out was because I didn't get 
the, the whole purpose. I didn't get how we took them roadshows into the solution and how that was put forward, what the sort of mean. I thought, I just don't get this buying into the club, like which I know you were investigating. Be so because thought, once, once somebody took over this chair who felt that he did not need to consult the membership, members anymore, I know that all of that went out of the window. And I saw emails Every to single that bit of it. I've seen emails to that effect. And when, when they didn't need to talk to the members no more, I thought, what's the point of me being a member? But, yeah. So so why then? Why then? Um, so you all drop out. Bill Cochran's dropped out this stage. So so, and and, and the, it, it, you know, like you would legally have to say, well, we're collecting monies in on on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. You'd have to legally say we've investigated our treasurer. You would have to do that. Yeah, you got you got to you got to remember though that the, they they might not have known about the treasurer situation until he was arrested and then once he's arrested they're then in a legal process now it could be it could be that they they lost control of their bank account and their and access to it and subsequently because you can't because you haven't got access to your bank account maybe you haven't got access to pay for your website or something like that i don't know i'm i'm, I'm the speculation i mean that's spe pure speculation but i tell you what steve that's rather concerning yeah but, but yeah Yes, but but at that point, buried their head in the sand, waiting for the court case to be over, and or did they did they do their own investigating, and are they still investigating? Um, all right, all right. You know, so know. as a member, as a member today, then Steve, because you 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 give like benefit the doubt. So as a member today, and when the hand when the, when let's suppose they got that, the bank accounts took off them, that the day they get handed back, every member needs to know that they investigated to see whether they lost any funds or whether any monies were misappropriated. You have to. Once you've got it back, Steve, the excuses is gone and you've yeah. got to then do due diligence on your treasurer with an auditor. Yeah. yeah. In, the uh, same, uh, in, the same, in the same way they found funds to, to, to assess you, they found funds to pay solicitors to question you, they had to find auditors to question the treasurer. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I don't, what I don't want to do is get caught up in a. In no, a, no, This isn't about. This isn't about hammering. This isn't about hammering NUST. But this, this had to come out in in in, yeah. in essence. It's been I've seen and listen. We aren't the people to break this. Anyone who's on Twitter, especially, will have seen this being brought up by a couple yeah. of accounts in the la in the last twelve months. I think us bringing it up and, and just giving a bit of clarity on it is very important yeah. because we knew exactly what happened. And as I say, Google that Google that particular article on the Northern Echo. What I read out is there for everybody to see. We do all. I think all I would like to know is, you know, in my in my in my view, is it would have been nice for a bit of clarity as a member of the trust to have been told about that. And certainly, when I was on the board, it would have been nice to have been made aware of it. But look, it hasn't. It, it, they chose to do it in that particular way. And and why they chose to do that, I, I you know yeah. whoever whoever made those decisions will will live by those decisions. Yeah, I, I appreciate as well that that we've now got a totally different board. We've got people who had an election uh, just over a year ago, so there are people in this in on the trust board now who and who perhaps could could sit there and say they know nothing about what's gone on in the past regarding the treasurer. But uh, I've spoken to to three of them. I've spoken to three current board members where I've brought, brought this subject up because they have asked me what my problem is with the trust. 
I've explained what my problem was in inverted commas that you know I'm because I, I all the way through the last 10 or 11 years I've never I've never gone out of my way to criticize or to attack or to go on the Steve, defense in any way shape Steve, or form. come off it let's 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 give you the credit you're due here when the trust were chucked off the fans forum the person that fought the hardest to get them back on was you yeah and well, i know that and i don't know and i'm not saying this because i'm your mate i know i'm saying this because black and white go and look at the bloody minutes you were the one that fought hardest to get them back on, in spite of everything that had happened. And yet they'll still chuck bombs at you. They're still yeah. chucking shite at you that you don't deserve. Painting a certain picture, which is utterly unfair, and using our friendship with Steve against you, which is rubbish, absolutely rubbish. And so people have got to take the, this whole concept into perspective that you and I still remain passionate about the trust, still think a lot of a lot of the people involved in it now. There's some really good people on there who really need to be given their, given their lead to just go and do the good stuff. But when they get involved in this defensive um, whataboutism, that just serves nothing but to perpetuate arguments and division. It's not right. I think and what this does, and it's useless. I think what this does is certainly clear up the reasoning behind some of the divide amongst our fan base, which involves me, NUST, and some of the fanzines. And unfortunately, um, that you know that has gone on as we know since you know the, the you know the, the early two thousand and tens, and that's something which is which is now dragged on. You know, into the modern era, despite the changing circumstances, despite me being on the trust board at one point for a year, um, you know, and, and you know, they thanked me for, for what I did by launching a campaign with ex-players to increase the membership at the right time. And, you know, but but ultimately, I mean, you know, we aren't against the trust. And I think that's another thing that shone through in the in the show tonight. We aren't against the trust. N never, not at all. You guys set the thing up. Uh, or help set the thing up and facilitate it with other people, but it's you know just just getting back because I'm I'm conscious of the fact we're dragging in uh, you know the, a third hour here. Uh, we've done two hours already, and that's flown over. But the you know the the final separation, Steve. You know you 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 obviously walked away, and Neil walked away, and Bill walked away. Yeah. Uh, you know it must have been disappointing after setting up NUST to have to do that. It was. It was very disappointing. It was. It, you felt as though that there'd been a big chunk of of the previous sort of uh, three years had been wasted because you felt as though you'd put so much input in, but you had so much more to give. You had so much more that you wanted to do, and at the time as well, the football club was was still as it is now. It's still a, a an absolute shambles. You know, a total basket case in terms of its relationship with with supporters and. It it was it, it took a good you know it was it, it was a good year before I then um, kind of stuck my head above the parapet again and 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 was approached because I did I had decided at this point I don't want anything to do with fan groups anymore I didn't, I didn't want anything to do with the support as groups I I had done my time if you like um, I hadn't been uh, treated respectfully um, people were still firing bullets at me. Um, I was still getting hammered. There was comments constantly being made about me, and I just felt as though I'm I'm the bad guy here. I'm I'm 
But I got a, I got a, I got asked by uh, a, a prominent northeastener who had been involved in in previous campaigns alongside Sir John Hall, um, who said, "Look, you know, the club. I've been approached by the club, and the club are desperate to talk to people like yourself. They're desperate to start a dialogue, but it's got to be done properly. Now, there is a there is an invite there that we can start afresh, if." It willing to do it properly, and I spoke to you, Steve. I spoke to um, a journalist from the the Evening Chronicle. We sat in Rev's bar, uh, just down from your office. Yeah, Revolution. Yeah, and we and we sat. I'm talking. You can tell I've got a daughter who's a student who was in Leeds because they just call it Rev's. Rev's. <laughs> yeah. Down with the kids. See, I'm down with the kids, really. Um, and, uh, and, I, and and you. Those three people convinced me that there was there was a, a, a need to to really see if we could get back in front of of, of Derek Lambias and the board and and do away with this bitterness that that was really undermining everything. Um, and that was when we set that we set up uh, NUFC Fans United. Um, yeah. And we're going to do we're going to do a separate we're going to do a separate right. program on that. But that so. was that was that was where I kind of I saw the need for an organisation that was willing to talk respectfully and do as much as they could for the fans, because by then there wasn't there was just a massive massive brick wall um, that was sitting as as an obstacle um, between the fans and the club. Um, and it wasn't. I didn't think it was healthy. I didn't think it was doing anybody any good at all. I was convinced by yourself. I was convinced by the other two people that I mentioned um, that if it was done right, it would work. And that's why we set up on that on that fascinated path. But yes, I was, yes, I was disappointed. Um, Moving, moving right the way forward, because a lot of what we can talk about with the with the fans forum and. And it'll be covered in 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 those shows. And when we well, let's let's look at let's look at the trust now. I mean, look, we yeah. you know I, I had that brief spell on the board where I was you know co opted on and asked to go on, and I you know I I've got to be on. I enjoyed my time. Alex Hurst was the chair. Um, you know I know that you know that first meeting. I remember walking into the first meeting. You know, and because it was top heavy with people from um, another fanzine who had particular opinion of me. I wouldn't say I was welcomed with open arms, rather through gritted teeth, but, you know, it was it was the right thing. I think Alex felt and I was happy to get involved. And, you know, you know, I I did my best. I, I helped, you know, during a period of discontent at the club. God, don't haven't we had so many of them, but I managed to help with a, a recruitment video and, and bring ex-players in, and we managed to pull in some huge numbers on the membership, which, again, they were thankful for. And, and you know, I, was, I enjoyed that brief period, that brief flirtation on there. I remember, though, um, and I'm sure you do, me coming to you, Steve, in particular, and saying, look, do you mind if I do this? Because, you know, you, you did essentially... Um, you know, make a fight for me, and you know, you just you give us some sound advice. I did it, and then uh, you know, I did step away. I did step down. I didn't have to step down. Uh, they did need they they always need somebody to step down off the committee when it comes to elections, and I was only too happy to step down. And um, my opinion on the trust now, um, I don't think it does enough, and 
Um, I, you know, I'm not going to use again use this show as a as a way of 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 of, of you know slanging slag, slagging them off, having a pop. It's my opinion. I genuinely, although I'm a member. Um, I think during this period of the takeover, I feel they've sat on the fence and they've got spells up their backside. And, and I just think they could have done so much more. And, you know, there is there is so much to come out about, you know, uh, the, the takeover process that has gone on over the last 15 months that, you know, by the time this show goes out in August, um, maybe we'll have new owners. Maybe we won't. But, you know, there was an opportunity for the Trust to speak to the Premier League and they didn't take it. And they, they took it, but they didn't take it and, and ask the right questions. And I think that really showed their true colours at this current moment in time. And then the the launch of the pledge scheme for me, um, although will be a fantastic donation to charity, and I keep saying that, um, I just felt that it was ill-timed and, and ill-thought out. And I know it was a plan. It was certainly in, in planning when I was part of the, the, the NUST board. Um, it's been a dream of theirs to own a percentage, but... I do personally feel that you know it's something which will will never work, and um, they may they may have got it if Newcastle had been relegated last season, and you know then we're on the precipice of you know dropping down again into Sunderland's division. Then maybe it's an option, and and you know if 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 the club was in serious financial trouble, they could have possibly done what they wanted to do. I know fan ownership's always been a dream, but for me, Cloud Cuckoo Land, I think it'll be a great donation to charity. Um, but that's my say. Um, so we'll go around the board to finish off. Steve, cu- current situation in the trust. What you know? What's the way forward for them? Um, always remember that. Yes, the lads are volunteers. The, the lasses are volunteers, just like it was in our day. And that's why I have tried my best not to criticise the individual, but perhaps question the process that they're going through. I think um, I've spoken to I've spoken to board members recently. As I said earlier, three at least three of the board members are aware of my my position regarding what we've described as the elephant in the room. I was promised they would get back to me um, with an explanation or a, 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 th- their take on what's happening. Um, they all claimed that they knew nothing about it or when they when it did when they when they did become aware of it they had been told various various uh, things about the situation having having found that constitution it in the in my laptop uh, in among all those emails and I read the constitution I think guys you might think it's got nothing to do with you but you're actually part of something that I don't think you realize um ties you legally um into something serious because that that the constitution of an organization like that you are open you are open to scrutiny and you know questions could be asked um about your conduct and about your standing on that committee if something has occurred you haven't it and it hasn't been investigated as it would be on any um formal cooperative society or other type of uh, organisation that involves finance. So, worry uh, about it. Um, the recent, in the recent past, um, I feel as though that, very similar to you, I suppose, in the pledge scheme, I thought the timing was bad. Um, 
I didn't necessarily agree with with why it was rushed out in the way that it did, other than I thought it it undermined um, a lot of other things that were going on, um, particularly the uh, the work that was being done by Keith um, in trying to 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 drive forward um, the NCSL case. Um, I felt as though it. It kind of it was done. It was like sort of you know that type of of of, of manner of, of of approach. Um, I found that disappointing because I thought that there was so much for them to gain by getting behind that campaign and and supporting Keith. I'm, at no point I did I think that Keith was asking them for money or asking them for for time or anything like that. He was asking them for their support, and I think. When they turn around and say they're giving their support, I personally feel as though it was like either through gritted That's teeth or disingenuous. It was disingenuous. It was vacant. It was a it was a vacant look. Yeah, I support you. You know that type. And I found that disappointing. And I, and, and why it was done like that, I don't know. Um, where they're heading now, um, I, I I don't know. I'd, I don't know where the pledge scheme is. It's sitting, I think, last time I heard, £107,000. Um, that that would mean that if they wanted to get to that target, they might make it in eight years, ten years. I don't know. Um, what I feel as though they're going to get is they're going to, uh, if if new owners come in, they're going to get a seat on a fans forum, which is what they had and which is what they threw out. Um, and and disposed of, um, and didn't want for a long time to be part to, and did everything they could to 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 break over the period of time from when I was involved in the fans forum until I consider it reached its demise in twenty nineteen, because um, basically that's it's never met since then, um, and I have mentioned that on many occasions to people in the press who clamber and ask why the fans forum's not been meeting because those guys used to get days and days and days of column inches from the questions that we raised at fans' forums. Now they don't get any. And they wonder why they're scrambling around. They wonder why they're treated in the manner that they are by the club. Um, <laughs> they wonder why they're not getting um, the answers that, that that fans are looking for. And they wonder why the club sits there apparently uh, dumb. It's because nobody asks them the questions in, in the right way in the right format because people decided that that format wasn't the right, wasn't right because of the people who are sitting around the table. Interesting. Okay, Neil, over to you, mate, your, uh, your final thoughts on NUST and, and, and how they're, they're performed these days and, and what the future is for them. Current situation for me is, is I'm, I'm not impressed with how they respond to criticism. What about ism and turning guns on people and causing pylons on social media and writing poor, ill thought out statements and chucking certain accusations at people back at them because they can? That's that's rubbish. Um, but perhaps that's a generational thing. Maybe I just don't understand how the generation below me work anymore. I, I, I don't know. Um, the pledge, I think, is ill thought out. It smacks of the the, the the Arsenal supporters just holding the so-called golden share, which is an anachronism. It's from a different time. Um, 1% of a club gets you very little more than no, 0% of the club, other than maybe his access to 
shareholders meetings. Not going to get you more than that. Um, we when we did yes we can we were talking about owning the whole bloody thing. How we would have made it run after that's another matter, but that's that's by the by that's that's back to Father Ted and the cows. Um, I, I, I think uh, I think it's a, it's a fantastic idea to push the ideals of the trust in a time where they're hoping to piggyback on the back of the drive to get more fan involvement with clubs and using the the, the the 49 plus one concept, which can I see anybody in the Premier League agreeing to anything like that? Nah, not now. We're in a different time. Um, so I, I, I just think it's a, it's a great idea in the wrong time. Um, and I don't want to knock it. I don't want to be seen to be knocking it. Um, but I think it is going to end up to be a fantastic um, donation to charity. However, I even saw somebody close to the trust using that as a stick to beat Steve with in the food bank. I mean, come on, guys. How we? How we? Is there any point in that? And that's what you need to get yourselves uninvolved with and be bigger than that. And and that really disappoints me. There's somebody who spent time with Steve writing that bloody constitution that Steve's found. <laughs> time and time and time on a bloody old school computer breaking me back in the study, re-reading and rereading things. Um, to see where it's at now, it frustrates me. Um, I, th I think there's always been a problem with the trust, and I'll go back to when I was interim chair, about where the trust ends, a certain fanzine starts, and these days another fans group, which is mainly London-based, ends. And there's too much grey there. And now White Stack presents opportunities, like, for example, you could have somebody who has three hats on that trust board, who may say to the press one thing with their trust hat on, another thing with their fanzine hat on, and another thing with their, with their fans group hat on. Um, I don't think the I don't think they use those opportunities well enough because I know there's also little divisions within those sectors at the minute. <laughs> divisions within which, divisions. That is which so is, Newcastle which United, is, by which the way. Which is so Newcastle United. Yes, absolutely. Um, I don't think they use that well enough, but equally, it's also tainting their decision-making. They need to stop blurring the edges and create hard lines, and you're only going to get anywhere. And I said this probably to Steve... 2010, usually the year we've been talking about that tumultuous year, trust-wise, that was where the lines had to stop being blurred and they were being smudged even further because of certain individuals trying to protect their own self-interest, some of whom seem to have gone to ground of late, which is interesting. Um, it, it, it frustrates me a lot because as somebody who believes passionately in the concept and was a founder of the trust, um, I genuinely don't like being accused of being somebody who's not going to, who's not backing what they do. Um, but equally, I don't like some of the very disingenuous and petty things they get themselves involved with, which there's no need for at the moment. Um, and I'd like to see a resolution of that. I've said before on shows on this on on my, on my channel, 
we're blessed with a platform to help reach out to fans and the way we did with the road shows in a, in a virtual way, I guess. Um, and those divisions will only be healed when everybody starts using these platforms for the greater good to start putting the sticking plasters over those cracks. And when you've got somebody who, or an organisation where their immediate response if they're criticised is to turn around and fight and chuck bombs and turn guns on people, that isn't going to help heal the divides. All it's going to do is help make it worse. I've seen some of the things thrown at Steve in, well, in the week we're recording this. Steve's been the butt of a lot of things this week, which I think are utterly unfair. From Steve predict- yeah. yeah, from from very predictable individuals. We could have written the names down before it started, and there's no need for that. No, 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 no. I agree 100%. As I say, we filmed this in July. Uh, obviously, we're putting it out in August um, with me working away this week. But, uh, Keith, uh, we'll leave the final word on NUST to you. And, obviously, the lads have, you know, mentioned there, obviously, the you know, the emergence of you as a uh, on your black and white steed or zebra or whatever you want to think of it as uh, and, and putting your head above the parapet, as Steve mentioned earlier. Um, you know, you, you obviously have uh, had communications with NUST uh, recently, but overall, your your view on NUST and, and how it is today and, and how you see it going forward. I think, I think first thing I'd like to say is anybody that does anything positive for Newcastle United or for the fans would get my back. And so I'm a big backer of anybody that does something proactively. But I think um, the whole fans the whole fans forum at Newcastle has got division in it. And I think that um, what it does, it presents opportunity. When those opportunities come along, you've got to um, sometimes divorce your agendas and see which opportunity takes precedence. At the moment, when 97% of your customer bases is saying to you, this is your paying customer base, is saying to you, my choice, 97%, is for the takeover. That organisation then has a duty of care to follow the 97%. If the, um, that company went to the, the fan base and said, what percentage you back a pledge, for example, would it get 97%? And sometimes when you run an organisation, you've got to make a decision, what do we back first? And with the takeover being very time-sensitive, I think it was imperative that the, that the trust stopped and put priority into the takeover. And being a person who has an agenda, i.e. NCSL, I can say to you, yeah, I've got a massive agenda to get a takeover done and get the hell out of here. So, so once that takeover takes place, everything else, such as the trust, the pledge, and everything else can flourish. And you know, people can fight for whatever's on the table. But for me... I go back to opportunity. When 97% of your, your, your database, your membership paid, says we want to take over, opportunities come your way. As a trust, you had two opportunities. The first one was with Richard Masters, where you're given a series of questions. And in, in, late, in the next show, we might talk about where the questions came from and what the questions were. And you had the opportunity to make him squirm and to do what Newcastle United tried to do this week. And that was ask Richard Masters pertinent questions about why the takeover never happened. But people at the trust declined to do that, so therefore became a nothing meeting. The second time I witnessed, because I was online, when Keir Starmer uh, had a national uh, talk in, which I was on and the trust were on, and they were given an opportunity to represent the North East. To me, the obvious thing to say then was, we've been harmed by the ESL 
through our takeover. You know, the cartel has actually hit our takeover. But instead, what did they do? They pushed membership. They pushed the £3 membership, which I thought was a lost opportunity. In the same way as I thought they lost an opportunity with Richard Masters, which takes us me back to the next opportunity is this week. The club uh, contacted me on Thursday night, as you know, and the club have put the gauntlet down the Premier League. And the club have told me that if you back this um, transparency move, we will get the takeover. If 97% of your people want to take over, then I think you should back the club. And yet I saw a statement this week where it was supporting it at the start and by the end of the meeting, it just attacked the club. And, and I think anybody can attack this club, but you've got to go back to your choices. Why are you attacking somebody that you want to leave when he's trying to leave? Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like, it's like decking your wife as she walks into the meeting for your divorce proceedings. She's divorcing you. Let it happen. So if Mike Ash is going to leave the club, he's going to spend millions on getting this takeover, then let him do it. But don't have a spat as he's doing it. So, so for me, I'll take any support I can get. I've had no support. And just to bury that myth, I'd like to say that the, the, the trust got some criticism for not supporting NCSL. I'm one man working from home. I'll take any support or help I can get. But all we agreed to do, I spoke to Greg, who I get on with, and he, we just agreed that I would appear to support them and he would appear to support me. But I've had no support box. Steve Hasty is dead right in what he's saying. I haven't had any help or support. And I would welcome any support because I say I'm just one man. You know, I get a lot of criticism on the journey. What does right. that what does that yeah. phrase mean? Appear to support you and appear to support them? Is that like the, what the, the, you're putting on a false putting on a false like impression? The fault the, 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 the members of the trust were critical on Twitter, very critical, that they weren't seen to be supporting NCSL. There's a lot of people have supporters, mm. you know, an awful lot mm -hmm. like you three, but I, I can name a lot of groups that support us, you know, NEFC twenty four and you know, the Magpie group and various people to support and help us through the journey. But the trust, um, I've been, you know, it's well known, I've been given it in writing that uh, they couldn't be seen to support us because if they did, it could ruin the relationship with Richard Masters. They then said that came from a committee member, but the truth is, I've had no support since. So the truth is that, that all they've agreed to do is thumbs up each other. You know, that, that I, I believe there's a need for a trust. I believe that the trust's schemes and ideas are good once we get the takeover. But until we get the takeover, I think takeover takes priority. When 97% of your people are backing that, then I think you're, you, you have a duty to them. 97% of the people say, we'll fight tooth and nail for your takeover because that's what you want as our members. And what we won't do is rattle the club's cage because they're the ones... I tell you what, the day Mike actually packs it in or gets enough or says he's not spending money, it's over. Everything's over. And you, then you stay with Mike Ashley and Steve Bruce ad infinitum. So for me, I think it's lost opportunity. I think on the times they've had to do it, they could have done more. Um, and I hope that they do support the takeover more because that's all I'm interested in. Fascinating stuff. And I mean, obviously, we've gone well into extra time, two hours, 20 odd minutes today. But um, lads, superb. Um, I think, mm. you know, br brilliant insight. And um, as I say, we've just been truthful. I think a lot of people would be interested in this episode in particular. And, um, you know, I don't think we've told anything out of school. I think we've been very honest and it's our opinion. 
And, you know, from, from our perspective, um, I think, you know, well done, lads. Um, no, that was a hard one in particular for you, Steve H, and, and for you, Mitch, because, you know, you, you, you were in the, in the trenches uh, on this. Um, and Keith, thank, thanks for your interjections. But uh, we will uh, look at NUFC Fans United in the next episode, which is a, a lot more lighthearted and a lot more enjoyable, it has to be said. Uh, but for now, uh, thanks very much for watching. Take care and bye-bye. Cheers, everyone. Again. But it's the only way you're ever gonna